What's the matter? I don't know. Guess this case is giving me the creeps. Me too. I wonder what the hell he's doing with all the pieces that are missing. That's what I mean. It's creepy. Look, we'll have to put some undercover agents in here. Fix it up with a dean when we see him. Girls, you mean? Yeah, of course. That's what he seems to be after. I'll be seeing you. Yeah. Myron Schwartz, Kendall James. The lieutenant wants both of you to report to the dean's office a half hour from now. We suspects, or is he just want to consult us? Don't worry, we'll be there. I hope so, for your sakes. Not a word to anyone. Does that mean we need an attorney? Okay. Okay, officer. Punish the righteous. Curse of the devil. Exorcism, a sacrifice. Blessing or bestiality. Curse of the devil. Satan in control of the body and the mind. My love will destroy the creation. I swear that you'll find it. Hello and welcome to the Nashy Cast. I am Rod Barnett. I'm Troy Gwynn. And we are here for episode number 15 of Beyond Nashy. That's right, our subset of podcasts about other Spanish horror films. Mm-hmm. Yes. Featuring people that worked with, in some capacity, with Paul Nashy and other films, but not featuring Paul Nashy himself. Exactly. This time around, we are, uh, mm-hmm. well, we're tackling what I consider to be a biggie. <laughs> Yeah, because you've requested, it's kind of one of those, you asked for it, as they used to say in Famous (laughs) Monsters. You asked for it and you got it. Yes, yes. You wanted the best, this is probably not it, but you wanted it, but you got it anyway. Yes, uh, we are going to be covering uh, the 1982-1983 film Pieces, uh, which is a Spanish-made chainsaw centric slasher film Mm -hmm. and uh we will get into a deep discussion of that i have uh, i have much to say i have a i have a lengthy history with this film and i think that uh wow it's it's there's more than enough material to talk about with Mm -hmm. this film Mm -hmm. so uh, before we do that i wanted to say that uh, in our last podcast at least uh, our last podcast last month uh, troy and i were over on the bloody pit and we talked uh we did our uh, fourth Godzilla podcast. Mm-hmm, we talked mm-hmm. about uh, Godzilla Final Wars, uh, that contentious film, and we talked a good deal about that. But uh, during one of the discussion, one of the discussions in that podcast, I made mention of the fact that I was going to go see Eli Roth's latest. Uh, actually, now I think he has a newer he one. He does out. have an even yeah, an even newer one that that's uh, called, yeah. It's a remake of an older film called uh, Knock Knock, mm-hmm, uh, and right. uh, the reviews on it are pretty brutal as well. Are they? I haven't. Uh, yeah, the yeah. best review I haven't seen Knock Knock yet, and I. See, I was going to ask her, you do, are you going yeah, to feel compelled to, I know you feel, we know why you felt compelled to see this one, because it's a, it's a supposed homage to, to yeah. Italian cannibal Green, movies. So. Green, Green Inferno is the one I went to see, and it's, it's an homage to the, 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 the Italian mm-hmm. cannibal film cycle of the late 70s, early 80s, and there was a, a desire within me to see this, and also the fact that it was delayed for various reasons, it had been finished a couple of years before it got released. Those kind of things always pique my interest. Um, 
I am not a fan of Eli Roth. Well, let's just let's start with this. Uh, I did go see uh, Green Inferno, and um, it is just as bad as I feared it would be. There are some things in it worth seeing. Uh, the practical special effects by uh, KNB, or at least two members of KNB, uh, are really well done. Um, this movie definitely earns its hard R rating <clears throat> just in the gore alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem is that the gore is really the only thing that um, is worth worrying about in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, even the uh, the colorful cinematography was shot on uh, shot on uh, location in Chile, kind of doubling for Peru in the storyline. <clears throat> but the problem is that it has all the same problems that all Eli Roth films have, which are numerous, and I'll try to name off just the ones that really mm. bug me the most. Yeah. Uh, he has the worst ear for dialogue of any human being currently producing films at the level of national release. Wow. Yeah. Uh, he mm. does not understand story structure at all. Mm-hmm. His sense of humor was arrested around the age of eight <laughs> when he was probably <laughs> utterly fascinated with someone else's diaper. Um <laughs> He cannot bring himself to understand that human beings interact in certain ways mm-hmm. and they don't always revolve around shit, piss, or cum. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. really irritating. Yeah. The first 15 minutes of Green Inferno involves absolutely some of the worst dialogue I've heard actors spout at one another. Since the last... Uh, um... Eli Roth film. No. Well, I was going. Well, it's, yeah, I was going. <laughs> I was going to say since the last since since the last Rob Zombie Halloween film or whatever. Yeah, just, you know. <laughs> yeah. That's that's a pretty close contender for shitty dialogue, and yeah. it's terrible, terribly written. It's bad on uh, on many levels. Uh, there are a few actors in it that I <clears throat> that I kind of admire, mm-hmm. but none of them can survive the shitty script. Yeah. None of them can survive what is essentially just bad writing, and so. It's of interest to people who haven't seen that many movies, I guess. Mm-hmm. So definitely the younger, a younger crowd. Yeah. Um, fans of uh, the Italian Cannibal Cycle might get a kick or two out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it gets deeply into the like the the meat, as so to speak, of the story, does it does it improve at all? I mean, just because of the technical. Oh yeah, it, do, it, do, it does it improve because because nowhere, you're not listening to dialogue as much yeah, or bad acting as much. Or, there's absolutely nowhere to go but up from that first fifteen minutes because. Yeah. I, it's hard to believe that any of the people on screen those first 15 minutes are actual human beings that have ever mm-hmm. spoken to another human being. Yeah, I think yeah. I described it as dialogue that sounds as if it were written by an alien who had never actually interacted with human beings before. Mm-hmm. It's really awful. And um, to get off on that that footing mm-hmm. <laughs> for, in, in, the, in the opening act of your movie where you can't believe anything that's happening before you get to... Mm-hmm. The really crazy stuff yeah. is pretty bad because the first, the, you know, the, your first act of a film like this is supposed to set up your characters and and uh, have you, let, let you uh, let you know the lay of the land, develop your sympathies for certain for certain characters, and know how these people interact with each other and what one is expected to know. Mm-hmm. And essentially, what this movie does is it tries that, but it does it so badly that there there are moments in the first like half hour of the movie where honestly. Mm-hmm. People just say out loud what character type another character is, what what the <laughs> yeah. stereotype is. <clears throat> yeah, you're right. Yeah, I mean, there is a moment when mm-hmm. I, one character turns around and goes, "You are you you are such a fat guy in love." Yeah, <laughs> I was just like Jesus. Or did, did you? Yeah. No, 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 I don't think you were supposed to say that out loud. I think that yeah. was the the stage direction for the character wow. 
wow. off to the side of the dialogue. I don't yeah. think you were supposed to say that out loud. It's like, no, wait, that's how bad this is. Is that something that he has a character say out loud? Um, later on, there's a masturbation joke. Yeah. Uh, there's a, a, a there's a shit and fart joke. Of course, it's of course, yeah. That that comes to no end is literally just there because he makes the film and he can do what he wants. It's it's real. It's bad. It's yeah. it's it's yeah. terrible. Uh, if it's if it's your cup of tea and I am crapping all over a movie that you actually thought was good, I apologize, but I mm. did not enjoy it. Mm. So there we stand. And okay. I uh, like I say, I it it I can't I can't call a movie like this offensive, and I don't think anybody really could. It's only offensive if you walked in expecting something. Yeah. Um, yeah. I did not. So. Yeah. Yeah, it, no, it, yeah, and it's I mean, not and it's not offensive in the ways that he's probably hoping. That yeah, right. Would yeah, find it offensive. It's yeah. offensive in in that the. Mm-hmm. Wow! Mm-hmm. If I'd been given five minutes, I could have improved a lot of this dialogue. And I'm not a writer for fuck's sake. <laughs> I mean, I write movie mm-hmm. reviews. I don't mm-hmm. write fiction, and I could do a better polish on the dialogue <laughs> than whatever you mm-hmm. told actors to say. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> I've never been impressed with Eli Roth. I think he is uh, an overprivileged, undertalented hack, and mm-hmm. that's just where I stand. Yeah. So. Yeah. Don't don't Fair mean enough. to insult anybody, but it's crap. So there. Okay. <laughs> um, cool. What have you have you seen anything lately that was good or bad? Well, I've not been to the theater in in months, and I, and I haven't really. You mostly with me. I mean, a lot of just been kind of a uh, you know uh, getting the new run of TV shows that I keep up with. A big slew of them started, uh, so I'm, and most of them I've only been able to make it through the or are. I'm behind already a few weeks on things like, you know, Fear the Walking Dead, you know, Walking Dead, uh, American Horror Story, um, Sleepy Hollow, all, all shows I enjoy for various reasons, you know, um, but, uh, I mean, it, it, some are better than others, some are just fun, like Sleepy Hollow is just silly fun, and the cast is just very likable, and it's just, I mean, you know, how can you, you know, you can't can't not enjoy getting to fight a monster of the week kind of thing, it's just <laughs> a fun show, but I guess the newest, I, I did, I guess the one I want to specifically say that I really enjoyed the first episode of was Scream Queens, I thought it was, I, I see, I've not watched any of that. Yeah, very funny, very funny, okay. the, the dialogue is terrific, uh, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, of course, is in it, and it's <clears> fun to see her again but it's uh yeah i think screen queens is uh, again there's a, it's about three episodes into it but I've, I've only gotten to see the first one so far but i think it has a premise that that might be entertaining to stick with for a while it's got a very good sense of humor and like cool. i said just some dialogue that hits you quick and fast that you can barely almost not key it's just just very very funny stuff so yeah well that's cool that. it's one that i'm afraid i'm i'm, I'm probably just going to have to catch up with <clears> once it <throat> once it gets to uh Mm-hmm. Netflix or Amazon or something like that, just because mm-hmm. um, I didn't. I mean, we're like several episodes in, and I, I, I right now I don't have the time to sure. to catch up. Sadly, because I'm watching you know movies. Yeah, trying to catch just watch well, movies. Yeah, movies and mm-hmm. let's see, Arrow, Flash, Gotham. I've, yeah, same there. Our Arrow and Flash have started taping, yeah. but I've only gotten to see the first episode of each of the this these, this new season. So Fargo, yeah. I'm taping. You know, Fargo. I haven't. I still to need to watch. Yet, I still so. need to watch Fargo. I, yeah. I have not watched Fargo yet. And it's like one of those shows that I knew. I knew at the time I probably should have started watching when mm-hmm. when that first season. Yeah, aired. first season was terrific. Yeah, yeah. That's right. that's all I hear, and it's like, uh, well, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to catch up with it. So um, I'm gonna have to do like I did with Breaking Bad and like run through <laughs> two seasons of it all in one shot. Probably. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, I'm hoping to catch uh, this month the one that I'm mainly hoping to catch and I, I, don't, I don't know if it'll come I don't know if it's in theaters right now I think it started last weekend I don't know if it's playing here um, but I've also as of my understanding it's supposed to be available 
on demand at the same time, which I haven't checked out, is that Tales of Halloween, the new Halloween anthology film. Yeah, so, it's, uh, uh, it has been released. It's a very limited release thing. If it's available video on demand, I'm not aware. Yeah. That's very possible. I haven't looked into that. Uh, I do know that the closest it's playing to us, because I went and looked, mm. is the Alamo Draft House. Ah, well, gee, that's just right down the street, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, we should just, we <laughs> we could should just, just go, down, go, down, just go down, down and hop on a plane. Hop on a plane and go, and yeah. fly to, yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, I didn't have much, uh, yeah, I didn't have much hopes that it was actually get a Nashville theater playing, but... I it did. Mm-hmm. I really did. See, here's the thing. I, I could see it maybe playing on one screen, like at the Green Hills right. or something. Well, maybe, here's but. here's here's what I'm wondering. Um, the uh, the Bell Court, our our beloved local uh, mm-hmm. independent theater here in Nashville, is uh, doing 12 hours of terror yeah. this weekend. Actually, yeah. uh, of course, I just immediately dated this podcast, but nevertheless, <laughs> uh, it's happening this Saturday, and um, the uh, the lineup. It's going to be it's 12 hours. It starts at 10 at night and goes to 10 the next morning. And they're very, very carefully. Yeah, they they're like some telling movies, you everything. Yeah, they're, they're very, very carefully letting you know what the movies are. They're opening with Carpenter's The Thing, right? Yeah, strong start. And then they're going to show the completely insane Boxer's Omen, the Hong Kong film. Oh yeah, right. I, Holy yeah, okay. shit, I love that movie. I haven't it's seen it, but completely it's, it sounds nuts. great. Yeah, it's in. If you've never seen it, it's yeah. amazing. The Boxer's Omen. That's their second feature. Then they're going with they're being very they have to be very careful for some reason. But the next the next film is obviously from the description tourist trap. Yeah, I got that. Yeah, uh, and they haven't filled in the gaps, but they're ending with the remake of the Blob. Yeah, it's going to be the last yeah. film, which I yeah. love to death. Yeah. So yeah, um, so you thinking they might sneak in? You thinking they might premiere Tales of Horror? Yeah, Tales yeah, of yeah. Halloween in last year they pre- they premiered something else. I can't remember what the heck it was, but they're having to be so canny and careful with. Uh, like they they could tell us about the thing, mm. they couldn't give us the title of Boxer's Omen. They give us a description, and it's like, okay, that's mm. obviously Boxer's Omen. Yeah. They couldn't give us a description or, or the title of uh, Tourist Trap, but from the description, it's pretty fucking yeah. obvious. Yeah, they could say the Blob, so it's like mm. they obviously there's some kind of deal they have where they can't advertise particular mm. films for whatever legal mm. reason. Mm. And I don't know if uh, you know because Tales of Ho- Tales of Halloween might fall into that that little that little trap of having to be something that they can't yeah. advertise but they can play so right. i don't know yeah but I'm, hmm. I'm thinking about trying to go to that but uh i don't i don't know i i, I hate to say it i'm I, the night, that's the same night as the halloween party. that we have our big yard yeah, but, but i know i can't yeah. but i know i can't go to that because i'm on call right sure but i could go to potentially them. go to this because it's it's not i mean because the By halloween the party I'm... is way out in the middle of nowhere right and i'd be screwed if something went down right and it would probably go down i know my damn luck but I am thinking about trying to go to the Twelve Hours of Terror, and I don't know if I'd make it. Yeah, some year I'm, I've never been able to make it, so some year I'm going to have to because it's the closest thing that we have to the old, as we've talked before, the old wonderful uh, uh, Drexel Horror Marathons yeah, in Columbus, yeah. Ohio. It's and it's cool they're doing something like this, days. and it's just uh, yeah, just I mean I can't believe as we're doing this podcast, you know, the month's already half over. I feel like it barely. I mean, it's just it goes by too quick. But uh, oh, I agree, I agree. It's it's kind of amazing. I, oh, uh, but the but on Sunday. Gonna go see. Um, they're doing uh, TC uh, TCM Turner Classic Movies is doing this thing with Fat Fathom Events where they're doing a double feature of the Thirty One Dracula and the Spanish language version of it back to back, showing it in a theater. In, in a theater, theater. Oh, cool. Awesome. Already bought, already bought tickets. Very cool. Go. I didn't know about that. That's great. Yeah, yeah. They're doing it a couple of times. That you could go that afternoon or that night, mm. and I opted for that night, thinking that if I'm foolish enough to try to go to this. 12 hour horror thing I'm going to need to like sleep during the day like a damn vampire to try to go see Dracula <laughs> yeah, that yeah boy night. I say yeah come out man but uh, that's cool good stuff hoping 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 yeah. but uh, yeah yeah at least going to do the Dracula Spanish Dracula double feature so yeah. 
let's see i've seen i I have to say i've seen carpenters the thing on the big screen a few times Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um even at a Mm drive-in down in atlanta but uh uh man those the I, I, I can only imagine what watching the boxers on them with a large crowd would be like. I, I gotta see this because for the uninitiated, it would be it would be mind bending. Be like uh, be like those viewings of Chinese ghost story one and oh, two gosh, at the Drexel so years back. That's some of the loudest I've ever heard a crowd laugh when we in that oh, Chinese it's such a ghost great movie, story. Yeah. To God, yeah. Once you realize just how oh, raucous that oh, film is, get, those films are oh, going to yeah. be, and how they're going to play, they're going to scare you and yeah. tickle your funny bone. One time right after the oh, other God. without you knowing what's coming next. Just seeing where the two guys and the demon all get frozen by that spell yes. at once. And they're all three standing there frozen. And they're slowly, all three of them, starting to come out of the, like, starting coming to get in. movement back. And, and they're just, I mean, the crowd, we were just roaring. It was so fun. Oh, so it's funny. Such a, it's such a great film. <laughs> Both those, those first two, all three, I, I, yeah. the, I, I, if I remember correctly, the first three are just fantastic. Mm. Those are the only ones I've seen. But, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's just that's amazing stuff. Uh, I know you haven't seen Crimson Peak yet. No, I, I no, going to see it this week. Yeah, you said you, you it's enjoyed a, it's it. It's a beautiful, I'm, lovely wow. gothic romance horror, and it's wow. it, it, what's hysterical is apparently it's not doing well, and people's main complaint is it's not what they thought it was. And I'm going, as I was telling you earlier, yeah. I've read some reviews where people yeah. are people are saying, "Well, I thought it was going to be this, yeah, and it turned out to there. be that. It's not what I wanted it to be." And I'm like. Where did you get these expectations? I know. For I me, I thought they were deliberately like not feeding you what the story is yeah. because that should be part of it. But it's like people going like, "Oh no, they're wanting Wuthering Heights. They're wanting you know, I don't like some, yeah. I don't know what they're wanting." But it's like to me, it's yes, yeah, just it's Del Toro. You can't go wrong with Del Toro. Just go in and watch what he's doing. It's he's, beautiful. It's creepy. It's mm-hmm. uh, the lo- the longer the movie went on, the more I felt drawn to the characters. It's mm-hmm. just I don't know, man. It's one of those things that. I was completely won over by, and then I read all these reviews of people going, mm. "Well, it didn't have what I thought it was going to have in it." And I was like, "Well, what the fuck? What are you? I, uh, okay, whatever. Movie wasn't for you. Go away." Um, I'm, I'm beginning to have less patience with people who bring expectations to a movie that the movie doesn't. Mm. Yeah. I, I don't understand where their expectation came from. Right. Right. Um, it's it's uh, it's it's very strange. It's like I, I remember leaving one of the Planet of the Apes movies and someone talking about how they were there just wasn't enough action and I was like the Planet of the Apes movies have never been action like, no, movies. They Where, really, no. Why did you yeah. expect it to be an I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. When did you when, when did it say Raiders of the Lost Eight? I'm just <laughs> I don't Yeah. It's not an yeah. action movie. No. So I, I don't know. It's 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 a strange thing. I, I think Crimson Peak is wonderful. I've never not enjoyed a, a Del Toro film. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, yeah, it's 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 an amazing thing to see. I can't wait to can't wait to hear what cool. you have to say about it. Cool, looking forward to seeing it. Well, cool. Should we take a break and then we'll dive into? Is that uh, anything I else think, to I cover? Think we should. I, I'm probably forgetting something. I'd like to remind people that it, uh, although the mailbag you'll notice at the end of the show is a little a little thin, a little yeah. thin this time around. It's uh, it's a pepper thin. Mm-hmm. Uh, we. Uh, we do have an email address. You can write to us at the Nashi. Oh, I'm sorry, Nashicast at gmail dot com, and uh, we'll be glad to hear from you. And we will. We, we, every time we have mail, we like to dive into the mailbag. We're not going to be able to do much in the realm of that uh, at the end of this show, right? But uh, we will uh, be glad to hear from you about uh, the film we're covering tonight. And I have the feeling that pieces will probably get us some. Here's what I've noticed: the the few episodes where we've not had much emails, where we've taken up off a month mm-hmm. to go and do a Godzilla movie or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, and so that that has a tendency to uh, mm-hmm. to 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 push people uh, kind of away from the podcast because they're like, oh, they haven't you know they haven't talked about Nash or Spanish horror for a month, you know, like two months now. So it's uh, it's just not on their mm-hmm. mind. But 
I got the feeling that a movie as mm. insane as Pieces is going to bring yeah. them back out of the woodwork. Yeah, so. well, as many people as have been after us to do it, it should. So, yeah. Oh, so, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I had people, I had three people mm. last week, well, mm. over the past, I guess over the past week, personally contact me through Facebook or email going, hey, uh, when are y'all, when are y'all releasing that, po- that Pieces podcast? <laughs> I was like, okay, this is a little crazy because... <laughs> I've never ha- I've never gotten until now emails yeah. from people going, "What are y'all? What are y'all putting that one out?" <laughs> so uh, right. here well, it is, folks. Yeah. And <laughs> we have yielded to community pressure, and we're we <laughs> yes. we are more than willing to horror for your yeah, attention. That's right. That's right. So here we are yeah. talking. What about What was the great business. guy Caballero from SCTV? You know, Jeff Flaherty's character. Where he said that time he said, "We will weird SCTV will yield to the pressure, yield to the whims of any pressure group, no matter how small." You know, <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> I think that qual. I think we qualify for that too. I, I think. I think we're in that realm. I think we're there. I think we're. I think we have actually. Uh, you may have hit upon. You may have hit upon our modus operandi. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, folks, hold on. We will take a break, and then uh, we'll come back, and we'll talk to you about pieces. Prepare for a spine-tingling, nerve-shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters. You won't believe your ears when you listen to Monster Monster Kid Kid Radio. Hear your host, Derek M. Cook, and his ever-rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classic and sometimes not-so-classic monster movies. Subscribe to Monster Kid Radio through iTunes or Stitcher, or visit monsterkidradio.net before the next weekly episode of Monster Monster Kid Kid Radio. Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Price, and Joel Hodgson. Listen to discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival. Classic Monsters. Modern Talk. And the head of Rondo Hatton. Only on Monster Kid Radio! Hello! And welcome to a commercial for Hello, This is the Doom Show. I'm Richard. I'm Brad. And on the podcast that is known as Hello, This is the Doom Show, we talk about giallo movies, slasher movies, horror movies. We're going to interview Cary Grant live in the studio. We're going to interview Lucio Fulci in the studio, folks. We're going to put Cary Grant in the studio with Lucio Fulci. It's the interview you never thought would happen. I'm going to wear my Vincent Price flags. I'm going to wear my Citizen Kane wristwatch and monocle. And now Brad is going to recite the Pledge of Allegiance in Portuguese. Brad, go. I don't have Portuguese. Go! Go! Stop hitting me! You're a natural actor. Yeah. You can listen to us at hellodoomedshow.podomatic.com or you can find the archive at Doomed. MovieThon.com Don't touch it, Professor. You could have destroyed some evidence. Oh, I'm terribly sorry. Well, I'm not a pathologist, but... uh, Even a layman could see it was done with this. I'd say it's elementary. Okay, thanks. Thank you very much. That'll be all. You're welcome. To properly discuss pieces, one must start with the director and yes, yes. scriptwriter, mm-hmm. Juan Picard Simon, mm-hmm. or J.P. Simon. J.P. Simon. We'll emphasize it. Uh, J.P. Simon, the auteur behind this film, mm-hmm. uh, has a filmography. Well, let's just say he is uh, 
Juan is uh, how do we how do we say this? Well, he's a, he's a Spanish filmmaker. Mm-hmm. He kind of ran his own studio, and um, after a a certain how should I put this? I'm going to be blunt. Mm-hmm. I've seen most of his movies at this point mm-hmm. that he uh, that most of the films that he directed, and none of them are good movies. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I I will be praising him a lot, but I'm not going to say that his movies are good. I will mm. tell you this. I've enjoyed mm. every single one of them to mm. one degree or another. Mm-hmm. But they are all bad movies. Right. Now, um, having said that, you may think that I have absolutely no rational reason for wanting to talk about this man's films. Or indeed, mm-hmm. as I will be doing in the next few days, seeking out one of his <laughs> that I did not know he had directed and was just I was aware of and just had never seen. Mm-hmm. Let me put it to you this way. Um, I have not seen his first film, his first feature, Where Time Began, but I have seen Supersonic Man, which is wonderfully <laughs> terrible. Uh-huh. Uh, I have not seen Mystery on Monster Island from and 1981, which that's I need probably, to see. Well, that's probably one that we're going to, at some point, when we're digging oh. up, dredging up the last, when we're desperately seeking for anything to extend the Nashi cast, because I think Paul Nashi has a don't blinker, you'll he does, miss he does him have a small kind of role. role. And I, don't yeah. think it's, I don't think it's supposed to be good, but also it's got Peter, Peter Cushing, Cushing. Yeah. and Christopher Lee too, doesn't it? Or at least Peter Cushing. Uh, Maybe I just think, Peter Cushing. Cushing. Yeah. But that's one we'll probably end up doing as one of our last, you know, desperation Nashi cast, you know, is Mystery on Monster. We, we, we may Because it's easily it. available for one thing. Exactly. So well, that, yeah. not only that, it, and it's, you know, it's a J.P. Simon film yeah, and it has sure. one little brief passage of Nashi. Yeah. Uh, then a movie in 82 called uh, The Sea Devils, and then also in 82, this film, Pieces. But before we discuss Pieces, mm-hmm. Pieces was the first movie I saw by mm-hmm. Juan Picasso. Yeah. But I did not know of him sure. as a director whose other films I might want to see mm-hmm. until I realized just a few years ago that he also directed one of the movies that was the subject of one of my absolute favorite episodes of Mystery Science Theater. Mm. A movie generally referred to as Extraterrestrial Visitors from 1983, but that you and I would probably know better as Cave Dwell... Well, no, it would be be Pod People. Oh, he did Pod People. God, I didn't even catch that because Pod People is a classic Mystery Science Theater. Oh, my God. That is a J.P. Simon special. Oh, God. Pod People. Oh, wow. Wow. If you ever want... Say no more. My gosh. Yeah. Pod People is just amazing. If you ever want to laugh until you are going to die... Oh, yeah. uh, Check out Extraterrestrial Visitors, a.k.a. Pod People. Mm -hmm. It is mind-bendingly awful. And uh, it goes without saying... That when you can entitle a film "The Return of E.T.," mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you are dealing, you are dealing. It, it's called the New Extraterrestrials. Uh, mm-hmm. The reissue title was "Pod People," but it is people dredge up that Mystery Science Theater episode. Pod mm-hmm. People. It's a terrible film, <laughs> but it will show you the joy of watching one movie that is so bad that you can make it good mm. by merely interacting with it. Good. It's oh, terrible. Nice. <laughs> but he but he made that after pieces and then uh let's see, what did he make after that? He made, oh he made Slugs in eighty eight. Slugs, yes, which it's yeah. an adaptation of a novel. Mm-hmm. Um uh, Sean Hudson, is that a Sean, Sean Hudson? H- it's yeah. a Sean Hudson novel, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh and it's it's a it's a it's a good book. Mm. And uh a strange ass movie. <laughs> uh, the slug, slug slugs is well worth seeing. 
1990, he made a movie called The Rift or Endless Descent, okay. which I only recently saw because it's it's free for it's free streaming on uh, Amazon Prime, and I was like, yeah. holy shit, that's a J.P. Simon film. Yeah. And it's terrible. And it's terrible. It's awful. It's it's very much uh, it's very much a movie made after the uh, the onslaught of uh, the mm-hmm. Abyss, Deep Star Six, and Leviathan. Oh, oh let's yeah. do an underwater. Let's movie. do an underwater. Yeah. Oh boy. Probably with no technology, no budget to do an underwater movie. No, and of course we do find a nice dry cave somewhere deep <laughs> under the sea where we yeah. can have monsters attacking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then in 1992, he did uh, Cthulhu Mansion, which is the one that I'm going to finally see here in the next few yeah. days. Just yeah, out which of I've never, yeah, never seen it. Yeah, same here. I'd like to see that sometime because of then. Uh, in 94 a film called uh, Island of the Devil which I've not seen mm-hmm. and uh, then there was a five year gap when he did a f- and then he did a film called Manoa the City of Gold okay have not seen those last two mm-hmm. uh, but maybe after I see Cthulhu Mansion I'll be able to work up the energy to go see that one <laughs> but here's the thing um, while I'm going to say a lot of mean spirited things about pieces yeah Understand that I love this movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, sure. it's terrible. Yeah, but it is in, just, it is terrible in such a wonderful yeah. manner. And and you had uh, I'm sure you were going to get this, but if you don't mind, I'll go ahead and go launch, ahead. launch you on it because you had a fascinating blog this week. Uh, fascinating to me, especially because I don't think I'd ever heard you say this. I don't oh. think I realized that as I understood your blog, basically Pieces was pretty much your first gore film that you saw, yes. as far as my understanding, yes. and kind of. A gateway into Euro horror, uh, which I never realized that that was until I read your blog about seeing it for the first well, time. Well, that that blog I originally wrote that up uh, several years ago, and mm-hmm. I reposted it this week just to let people uh, kind of have a, a little mm-hmm. insight. Because okay, what it, it, pieces came out here in the United States in 1983? They held it back a year mm-hmm. because they really weren't <laughs> the distributors here in the states really weren't sure <laughs> if it was what what the hell to do with it exactly. They weren't mm-hmm. sure if it was gonna if it was gonna mm-hmm. play or not. Now, the movie ended up making a, a lot of money here, mm. as it made a lot of money pretty much everywhere, apparently. Yeah, yeah. And um, what's fun, what I find funny is that uh, the American producer involved is one of the guys who was behind the Friday the 13th movies. Mm-hmm. And so he took a look at this mm-hmm. and was like, I'm not sure if we can, I'm yeah. not sure if this will, will yeah. sell. I'm going, dude, really? <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> yeah, you made your whole career movies? off of yeah, slasher I mean, movie and yeah. And the other producer was the British British producer Dick Randall, and Dick Randall had no problem putting the damn thing out. He put out anything. Yeah, the more gore, the mm. better. Hell, he mm. throw the blood himself. <laughs> but uh, it it came out here in '83, and that's when I saw it on the big screen. Now, here's the thing: I was in boarding school, and and on the weekends, you, you pretty much when, when you're at boarding school, understand this was not some military thing. I could go home on the weekends if I wanted to, but there came a there came a time. After a while, when you begin to really enjoy the the not having to go home, <laughs> you, yeah, enjoy, yeah, you, enjoy, right, yeah. you enjoy the independent nature yeah. of being in a, mm-hmm. in a place where, mm-hmm. except for your roommate, you could mm-hmm. kind of you know do what you wanted to do and right. within the restrictions of whatever you had mm-hmm. kind of the weekend to yourself. Well, I would go to the movies. I would go to the mm-hmm. movies, of course. Uh-huh. What else would I do? I'm insane. Mm-hmm. I'm a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw the ads for pieces in the newspaper. And we, there were a group, there was a group of us who were, who kind of took the damn thing as a challenge. I've got, mm-hmm. we, we've got to go see this. Mm-hmm. And I can't even remember if it was rated or not. Uh, may, I, maybe it was R, but I, I can't. It you can almost see been, it being unrated. I know, like, it may I have been. Be because that was the time, remember, in 85 when Day of the Dead came out unrated. Unrated. Dawn of the Dead had yeah. been unrated. Yeah, you could actually, you know, yeah. So uh, in 83, this thing comes out and we kind of, you know, <laughs> we're high school kids and we kind of. <clears throat> macho it up and, mm-hmm. and go see pieces. Mm-hmm. 
it blew our minds because <laughs> oh, I'm there's bet. a <laughs> bet. None of us had really. Some of us may have seen a slasher movie here or there, a little mm. bit of blood here, yon, whatever. But none of us had seen something that has batshit crazy as pieces, coupled with yeah, just, you know yeah. chainsaw ripping into yeah. to flesh. Yeah. And so I think we were all kind of traumatized by it in a weird way. <laughs> yeah. Um, like what was that? What did we? Yeah, we all, we all had this. We all had the reaction of, that you're going to have to have at that age, which yeah. is to to downplay just how horrified and, and freaked yeah. out you were by it by by joking and laughing and fucking yeah. with it. But at the same time, the movie kind of helps you along because it's hard to take most of it seriously in the right. first place, right. except that those punctuated sequences of murder oh, are yeah. impossible to do anything other than to be horrified by. Sure, sure. So. Um, Pieces was probably the first Euro Trash film I saw. Mm. Definitely the first Euro Trash film I saw in a theater. That's for damn sure. Mm. And uh, it uh, probably scarred me for life in in, in, in a lot of ways, but in good ways. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. to my mind, it, it kind of kicked open the door on a lot of things. Where years, you know, it's like you know, like the like next year mm. seeing something like Class of 1984, which mm. is kind of freaking brutal. It's, Class yeah, of 1984 is, is a bit a of a brutal film. film. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, I went to see that in the movie theater. Mm. Enjoyed the hell out of it. Mm. But the people who went to see that and were like, oh my God, it was so harsh. The thing with the tables on. I was mm. like, yeah, you ain't seen harsh. I saw yeah, pieces. Yeah, All right. yeah, I've seen pieces. Yeah, no kidding. No I saw kidding. somebody take a chainsaw uh-huh. to a woman's midsection. So <laughs> shut up. Now, I, well, I, well, as I said before, I love pieces. I think it's, I think, I, I love it unreservedly. It is batshit mm. insane. It is. It, it can't. You cannot, for one millisecond, take it seriously because it's. It. Let's just say this: mm-hmm. there's no aspect of this movie that makes sense, either no. within context no. or if you were to take it out and go, would human beings do this <laughs> yeah. in rational terms? Right, right. Would people think it was a good idea? And this, I'm just going to toss this one off. Do you think that rationally, <laughs> you would be able to cover up? A murder on a college campus. Especially one done with a chainsaw. Correct. In, in and with a head missing. Okay. The first murder in this movie is of a beautiful co-ed getting her head chainsawed off. In broad daylight. In broad out on daylight. The lawn. Out in the fucking, out on the, yeah, out on the lawn of the, of the college. Now here's the thing. They managed to hush this yeah. up. No, <laughs> no freaking way. No, are you no. hushing that up? Even in then even in these days, another one happens. Oh well, I love it. even in these days before internet and cell phones and all this stuff. You still, if somebody nobody goes missing, especially if it's attractive <laughs> girl goes just missing on campus without a lot of brouhaha. Going I love on. it because then a couple of scenes after this, this first murder, you know the. The the dean is like uh, refers now. I think he doesn't say it in in the subtitles, but I believe on the uh, in the dubbed version. I mean, in the the English dub or whatever, he says. Uh, uh, he he literally says uh, it was just an infor- unfortunate accident. Yes, the <laughs> I know. yes the well, the groundskeeper accidentally <laughs> cut a girl's head off with a chainsaw. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> we're just scratching the surface, people. I mean, that's just the tip of the uh, insane iceberg. Here that, that is we're going the tip to of the penis. Yes, okay? that's right. Yes, you just hang and on. You'll, you'll hear us making a lot of crotch references, and there's a reason for that. There's a fact. reason yes, for that. I don't know if we'll, how much of this we're going to spoil, but there's a reason for a crotch reference. Okay, but. well, now listen. Okay. Let, let, let me back up for just a second because yes, yes. here's the funny thing. Okay, so when when he went in, when he 
he was asked to produce this. He was asked to make this mm-hmm. film. Mm-hmm. All he re- all he was given, mm-hmm. uh, Simon was given uh, essentially a thirty page treatment of of, uh, of of a story called Jigsaw. Right. Which okay, that title mm-hmm. makes sense with this it movie, does. right? It does. Uh, but what I, what I I've got to get this in here. What was being kicked around before that was uh, he was he was striking a deal with Dino De Laurentiis because De Laurentiis kind of uh, he kind of eventually did make a movie that was co-produced by De Laurentiis, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, after a few years later he was offered uh, they were they were trying to get Orca two made Orca yes and Barbarella two. Oh. The mind and, boggles it. Now that it, been those like. those never got made oh, because uh, because the De Laurentiis production company uh, collapsed. Yeah. But think about it. In the late eighties, early nineties, there would there might have been an Orca two made by JP Summit. Exactly. And a Barbarella two. Wow. Can uh-huh. you imagine? Uh-huh. Wow. Now there's no way they'd be good. No, but, but I would still want to see them. <laughs> I bet they would be fun. Yeah. Exactly. Now he had this thirty page treatment. Um it was a it was kind of a work in progress script. Uh, he can't remember who he says he can't remember whose whose name was on the thing, but he took the basic idea and like spent two weeks and just rewrote the thing and turned it into what we have. But right. during the shooting of the movie, they also improvised a lot of dialogue. He, he would ask for the for the for the uh, mm-hmm. actors to to help out if they they wanted to, to mess around with the dialogue, and entire and they created entire scenes while they were filming it because. He knew damn good and well that what he had as a script was too short for feature length. Okay. And that's why there are some scenes in the movie, and we'll get to a couple of them, yeah. people, that really not only don't need to be in the movie, but are fucking stupid. <laughs> okay? Yes. Amen. I mean, even dumber than the oh, average scene oh in the movie. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. You're right. You're, you're, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> well, here's something that just... This is an interesting thing, because I think, we, and I think we've touched on this maybe in a, in a past... Um, podcast too i don't remember what it was but this subject has come up before but this is always interesting to me that this is what we're dealing with here is kind of a a small subgenre which is the european take on the american style slasher and we've talked about that before that that one of the reasons that or or just we think that one of the reasons that there was not not a huge slew of european Films cashing in on the the success of the American slasher is because the Europe Europeans basically invented their their own version of the slasher first, which is called the giallo. Right. It's kind of like they were there. I mean, it's this back and forth between the American films and the European films and the history of the slasher is really fascinating to delve into because you know you figure you can start with Psycho, then you go to the Europeans, pick up with with the giallo. Then Mario Bava makes um, uh, Bay of Blood. Well, yeah. I guess. Well, for, and well, then, well, first of all, yeah. in, in, in the sixties, you're right. The, the giallo gets created with uh, Blood Black Lace and a girl, yes. a girl who knew too much. Right. And then, yeah, you're right. By the time he, but then you have the the flowering of the giallo in the late sixties mm-hmm. when Burma Crystal Plumage and that whole cycle begins. And then Bava makes Bay of Blood. Yeah. Which then gets turned into the first two. Friday the Thirteenth films, yeah, and Bob Clark made Black Christmas, which of course was a you which know, begat Halloween, kicks off Halloween, which, yeah, and it's. But I think that that's the reason, you know, because we've we've talked about European, you know, every other American film that was a made massive hit was just totally pounced upon by the Europeans to make their own versions, but, exactly, but not the American slasher. There are some European slasher films, there are that some, are so, yeah. but not many, not as many as you would think, and I think it's just because again they sort of already had their own. They sort of already were cooking with their own version of that, you know, which isn't teenage centric or young people centric. You know, it was the American slasher. That's true. Yeah. American slasher because even Bay of Blood is dealing with adult characters. You know, it was the American. Well, most of them. There are most. Four, there, there are, are some, four some, teenage that's characters. True. Yeah, but all the other characters are adults. Yeah, and the, whereas the American slasher kind of is the one that began to like prey on the you know let's let's make our victims the either teenagers or very very young 
adults as kind of our center, as our, our center yeah. victims, you know, and maybe I think, and again, this is something that, you know, we can't spend the time to really nitpick about this because there's all kinds of ways you could come at this. But I sort of think as a general rule, maybe or just sort of a broad sort of stroke, you could say that maybe the Europeans weren't quite so um, obsessed with punishing the use of drugs and sex as the American slasher kind of focuses on, I mean, there's sex and there's the drugs, but it's it, the European, like the Giallos deal with more like characters who a lot of times are like sexually twisted or have yes. some sort of thing, but... Yes. Whereas the American slasher, I think, is the one that kind of uses that as a theme of like you know young people just out to have a good time and 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 they and this is the and this is what happens to you when you are just mm. a hedonistic teenager yeah, yeah. or a hedonistic person yeah. period. And one thing I would always defend with that is going to say, okay, if you did a film about a group of teenagers who are all hanging out together for a weekend and nobody's interested at all in sex or mentioning sex or being <laughs> hedonistic. Would it be realistic? I mean, would anybody accept that? Would that no, come of off course. as being you know? So of so that's why I've never like had that kind of, you know, the kind of attitude that, like, I mean, to me, it's just like that's, they're trying to show, teen, now, a lot of them do it very badly. Like I said, a lot of them do it like Eli Roth, where that's all the teenagers <laughs> think about and can talk yeah, about, you know, yeah, and that's, that's not true. That's, that's really that's the not, only topic I, of yeah, conversation. Yeah, and that's not accurate either, but, yeah. but anyway, yeah, getting back to, I, I mean, this is, Pieces is kind of an, is kind of the rare take, and I think it's, you could take a film like this and see, like, where is it like an American slasher, and where is it like a giallo, you know, because I think that this film yeah. is going to have those sort of influences, uh, and a lot of times you wonder, is this J.P. Simon being a European filmmaker and thinking this is what American slashers really are? Oh, I think that, I think I that think you're hitting the nail there. on the head there. I think, there's I think something that there that is there, yeah. really what we're talking about when it comes down to certain aspects of the movie, which mm-hmm. is he had a he had a broad outline of something called Jigsaw, and he mm-hmm. kind of expanded it out. Mm-hmm. And the thing that he did was this was kind of loose filmmaking to a large degree where he was, I think you're right, looking at other films produced by these same folks. Because he was Mm -hmm. dealing with Dick Randall, and he was dealing with one of the producers of the Friday the 13th films. Mm -hmm. So the idea was to aim for what this guy had, what what these folks are looking for. And this has always seemed to me, for the the past couple of decades that I've thought about pieces and kind of come to terms with my love of... uh, European trash cinema and uh, the weird, quirky horror films mm-hmm. that were created in by, mm-hmm. by the European filmmakers from the '60s all the way through the '90s mm-hmm. is there's a there's a sensibility to them that is attempting to filter American tropes or American ideas mm-hmm. or almost maybe just North American concepts through a European lens, yeah. kind of kind of, yeah. and it's this exactly. weird view of a world. And this movie, in a lot of ways, and I'm going to get right into this, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, perfectly illustrates this because yeah. this movie attempts to pretend that it takes place in Boston. Right. All right. Yeah. There is no fucking way in hell this movie's <laughs> taking place in Boston. All right. No. no. This movie was shot in in Madrid. Mm-hmm. All the ex- all of it was shot in Madrid. Mm-hmm. The uh, there I've heard two different reports from the director himself, which contradict one another, which is mm-hmm. that there was a, some second unit shooting in Boston, or. Mm-hmm. That there were just some outtakes from uh, from uh, the second second unit stuff that was shot for Supersonic Man of like of like city streets mm-hmm. and stuff like that mm-hmm. that got used in this because they already had them in the can. Yeah, I don't yeah. think anything yeah. was originally shot for this movie that actually took place in yeah. North America at all. I think I it's all shot in yeah. Spain, mm-hmm. except for maybe some you know some like I say some exteriors that they had that they mm-hmm. got their hands on one way or another. Mm-hmm. Now here's something else. Uh, did you realize what the budget of this film was? 
I, I saw, I forgot, you'll have to refresh me on that, but what that, yeah. $300,000. Three, yes, yes. $300,000 now, $300, now is nothing. No, no. Back then, wasn't much of anything no, either. No, it really wasn't even then. It's like, yeah. But here's the thing. The movie made made millions. Yes, it did. All it right. incredibly successful. And the reason it made millions is not that it is mm-hmm. an American slasher put through a bizarre yeah. Spanish lens. That's no. not it. It's because, and I think this is a, a piece of wisdom straight from the director's mouth, is the movie really does give you what other movies pretend they're going to give you and shy away from. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. This movie is graphically violent, even mm. when it's even when it's ridiculous in its violence. Yeah. It is not turning away. It's no, not no. doing anything other than going, no. well, that's what you came here for, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We told you there was... We put the chainsaw on the movie mm-hmm. posters, so that's what you came to see. So here we are. <laughs> now, let's get down to brass tacks. This movie supposedly takes place in Boston. No. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing about it. Maybe the interiors of the various offices could maybe fly as the, the interior of Boston College or some other college in, in, in Massachusetts. I don't know. But, uh, not very likely. Let's. Are we going to give a yeah? I didn't know if you wanted to use a synopsis. Know, okay, I didn't know if you were, wanna, how you're going to like. definitely want to synopsize this thing. So, um, Leah, let's let's get into a synopsis. And if we get once again, if we kind of get diverted, and I know we are, yeah, <laughs> I know oh, we are. Oh yes, uh, we'll go from there. Yeah. Yes, uh, he's unmarried and lives with his mother. Ah, I'm glad to see you, Arthur. Come in. This is Inspector Bracken and Sergeant um, Lieutenant Holden. How do you do? Do you have time to show them around the campus? When is your next class? Well, as a matter of fact, tomorrow. Oh, good, good. They, um, they want to ask you a few questions about the Palmer girl. She was attending your classes, wasn't she? Professor Brown is in charge of our anatomy department. Uh, please show them anything they may wish to see and, uh, uh, do come back to me, gentlemen, if there's anything more you need. I only ask one thing, that you keep all this as quiet as possible. Think what would happen to the university if this were leaked to the media. Don't worry, sir. At this point, an investigation wouldn't help us either. We'll do our best. Well, I'm sincerely glad to hear that, for all our sakes. Our version here amongst the alumni and staff will be that it was... Uh, an unfortunate accident. Well, gentlemen, I seem to have been doing rather a lot of talking, and I do have a lot of work to do. I'm afraid I can't be very helpful. I can hardly remember the girl. I have so much work this semester. Oh, come now, Arthur. You only have one section to look after, and I have this whole blessed campus to think about. And I'm sure you'll be much better at this than I am. Well, gentlemen, I'm afraid I'll have to ask you to excuse me. Professor Brown will take care of you. All right, now the film opens... With an on-screen title giving us a, a kind of a scene set, this is a prologue. Mm-hmm. It takes place in 1942. Mm-hmm. In Boston. In Boston. In Boston. Um, here, you can it, almost smell the brats right now. Yeah, not really. Oh, God. <laughs> okay, there's a there's a young boy working away in his room in this in this house in Boston mm-hmm. slash Madrid, and uh, he's in this he's in his bedroom and he's working on completing a jigsaw puzzle of a fully naked model. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, by the way, I don't think is something that existed in the early 40s. <laughs> yeah, that's... I don't think Milton Bradley put out that no, at that point there. No, is it? <laughs> I, I, I have some trouble already with the movie going, 
Really? Yeah. Early 40s? Naked yeah. jigsaw puzzle? <laughs> I am not really, no. And plus the and plus the, the girl in the puzzle and the pose and everything is, is not typical. It's not like 40s. No, it screams 80s. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. His mother comes in the room, catches him, mm. and has a freaking fit. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> She's the classic repressed uh, mother, uh, repressed, angry, bitter mother. She goes insane. Yeah. And uh, she she starts yelling at the kid. Uh, starts flinging things around the room. finds a uh, finds a stash of porn magazines. Porn yeah, magazines porn that wouldn't exist yes, in yeah. the early forties. <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, God. Anyway, uh, then she starts screaming at him mm. and and tells the boy to go and get a plastic bag. She's going to throw all this stuff mm. out. Mm-hmm. By the way, you know something else that didn't exist in the forties? Plastic, <laughs> plastic bags. bags. <laughs> <sighs> plastic garbage bags. Mm. Anyway, there's definitely a, certainly yeah. put it to you this way. Those came along yeah. after, during and after World War II. Right. Not before. Not right. <laughs> and for those of you who are curious, yeah. there are people who I have to explain this to. Yeah. They, don't, they, don't know when, they don't know when the World Wars happened. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. really? How, mm-hmm. where, who, who, what school did you go to? Anyway. Uh, well, the boy does leave the room to go get the <clears throat> plastic bag. Uh-huh. And but unbeknownst to her, he does not get a plastic bag. No, apparently there was a convenient... There was a convenient axe. axe hanging around. No. He walks back into the room and whacks old mom in the skull with the mm-hmm. axe. Mm-hmm. Uh, several times. Yeah. And then, after he's killed dear do- dear mom, goes and gets a hacksaw. So apparently, even though they had this little suburban home with no, like... Not much of a yard or anything to speak of. They had every yard implement, uh, yard tool, you could gardening tool. You well, could, now here's the interesting uh, thing. When she starts spasming about mm-hmm. this kid's naked jigsaw puzzle and porn mag mm-hmm. stash from the future, uh, he she screams about how he's just like, just his, like father. his father. Yeah. And, and she breaks this mirror and freaks out and mm-hmm. has, you know, she's having a hissy fit. And it's yeah. clear that uh, this is a broken home mm-hmm. and uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of problems in the air revolving around. Mommy daddy issues, mm. probably like the missing father routine and all mm. that kind of stuff. So what we have here is a uh, is a uh, let's just say a, a very fertile bed in which psychosis mm. can grow. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we see him hacksawing up her body, and then the uh, apparently like a neighbor or a nanny or something has been knocking on the door trying to get in. She gets in. The boy has secreted himself in the closet. And so when the woman comes in and finds the horrible hacked up body and calls the police, uh, they all assume that somebody came in and killed his mom and hacked her up, mm-hmm. and he's he was only saved by stashing himself in the closet. Yeah, the, yeah. The kid kid does a great job of covering his uh, covering his oh, own yeah. ass, and I was he immediately launches. He comes into the traumatized kid. You know, he, he totally plays along with the cop. What did they say? His mom. What did they say? His dad. They make some good reference of where oh, his dad know. actually is, and I, but I can't remember yeah, what she says. She almost may say that he's overseas in the war or something. Which again, unless it's really really late for it too. But I mean, he might have been. She, she. I can't remember exactly what she said. Now I should have written it down. Either. But uh, well, the one of the things I like about the. The, the, are the reactions of the cops to the walking oh. into an incredibly oh, bloody yeah. room with oh, body like, parts strewn all over the place? <laughs> it's like they're trying to act really horrified and shocked, but it's almost as if they're not sure this is a take that's going to be used. Yeah, I love when he says uh, something may be butchered here, and when he says, "Let's hope it was an animal," you know. So. Yeah, no, it's like because <laughs> that would make it okay. That would yeah, that would make it, make it just fine if somebody like just destroyed an this room, room and just, and just slaughtered, slaughtered it. it. <laughs> yeah, that'd be. 
Yeah, you know, that happens all the time. Somebody <laughs> brings a chicken in the house, mm. starts cutting his throat, just slinging blood all over the walls. That's exactly what happens, right? <laughs> in Boston, maybe. And all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put the pieces to... Where did this filth come from? <clears throat> Answer me! Answer me! What I have to put up with? You dirty-minded little brat, playing with filth like this, just like your father. You don't watch out. That's who you're going to grow up like. And I can tell you a couple of things about him. Bastard! you if I ever find stuff like that in the house again. Go get a plastic bag. I'm going to burn everything. Don't just stand there. Go get a bag. Okay. We then cut to present day, which mm. for the film film purposes would be like 1981, 1982, right? Right. right. So we're talking 40 years. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Our first scene in modern day. Let's talk about, yeah. The roller is, skating girl. Well, she's is it is it roller skates or was it a skateboard? Oh, was she skateboarding? Maybe she's skateboarding. skateboarding. I think she's skateboarding. Well, she skateboards clumsily, stupidly, and slowly yeah. into a plate glass window or mirror or something. I guess it's a mirror. Yeah, this is the first of many what we'd call what the fuck moments. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, well, see. Here's the thing. This is the quintessential. Okay, because we have her crash into this, and then the movie proper starts. Yeah. And of course, the first time you see this movie. You're going, okay, what the hell was that? And you might forget about it. As a matter yeah, of fact, yeah. I did forget about it for years until I watched, uh, sometime in the 90s, uh, I re-watched pieces on some cheap-ass public domain DVD and was like, oh yeah, the she." I forgot all about the crazy-ass scene where the girl rolls clumsily into, into the, the mirror. mirror. But it's obvious when you think about it is this is, this is the writer, this is yeah. J.P. Simon attempting to go, aha, see the broken mirror and the flash in the in that opening scene? He, yeah, and this it, is what keys the murders. This is what starts right. it off. The 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 murderer as an adult person in his forties, obviously at this point at the very least, mm-hmm. or actually he would have to be in his probably in his fifties, I would guess, um witnessed this accident with the mirror, and this is what sent him on a killing rampage because he hasn't killed anybody before this, mm-hmm. right? At least as far as we know. Mm-hmm. Not with a chainsaw. So this is your explanation of why after 40 years this starts this starts back up. That's the movie's explanation. Right. Not mine. <laughs> okay, because cause I because um let me if that was like because see here's the thing I wrote about this this moment here, you know, because it even cuts okay. back to the you're right, it does when she hits the mirror, it does do a quick flashback to right. the mirror. And I, I wrote in my notes, and I think you could write this for many things in this film, but it says artsy or inane is what I wrote there now, this moment. is it? Can it be both? Can it be both? Sure. Let's <laughs> let it be both. Let's let it be both. Let's let it be both. It's both artsy and it's inane. It's an attempt at artfulness. Yeah. But it's inanity shines through. Yeah. How's that? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Okay, well... Because um, if that was what triggered it, wouldn't you at least have all these suspects that you're going to build up in the movie somewhere seen in this scene as well at some point? Like, sort of like to sort of suggest that one of them saw this because if you, you don't have that... That would be smart. Yes, you're yeah. right. That would be very, very clever. And uh, Because then you would be able to... Uh, we see the uh, problem. Later yeah. in the movie, yeah. Yeah. as each person yeah. is kind of... Dr- as as, as the, the various red herrings are, mm. are brought to our attention, mm. you could then focus in on you could have the the the, the uh, a brief flash of that person at the scene of this particular mm-hmm. mirror accident mm-hmm. 
and therefore go, aha, oh, oh. and it would actually remind you, yeah. because like I say, it's very easy to forget about this scene because it is such a fucking non-sequitur. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, anyway, that is not the kind of film we're talking no, about. No, we're not. Okay. Uh, this is, yeah, it's... Non-sequiturs, yeah. yes, but, yeah. Non-sequiturs, yes. Well, now, uh, right after this, I, I think it's great, after the mirror, we see this, uh, what has to be the, the, the grown-up killer, um, and he's wearing black gloves. We can't, okay, of course, we can't see his face because, of mm-hmm. course, this being kind of a descendant of the giallo, yeah. we don't know who the murderer is, and that's the big mystery of the film, is who is yeah. the killer. And, and I'll say right quick, too, that that's another thing that I thought is kind of a contrast between the typical giallo and the typical American slasher. Now, there have been some American slashers that were kind of a either a whodunit or that, you know, in cases where you know who the person is, you're just not sure who he is in the context of the film. Things like Terror Train or something, you know. You know right. who the killer is, but you're not sure who on the train he actually is yeah, because so it's, it's years it's later. But in but I think what the what the American slasher brought what what the one of the things the American slasher brought to the genre was the lumbering mindless beast of destruction. You know, the right. giallo is more like always focused on somebody with like we said before, some sort of history, some sort of sexual kink, some sort of well, it is essentially thing, a mystery. A mystery. Whereas in the American slasher was more or less the the, the kind of introduced the the leather leather right. face, the Michael well, Myers. There are kind of, mis- you know, there are slashers, American based slashers yeah. that are also mysteries. That's true. Then there are. Yeah. But that's not a requirement of the slasher film. Right, right. Especially not series slasher films. Yeah. Yeah. Which which is fine. It's a it's, sure. a, it's a subset sure. of slasher. Yeah. But I'm I'm almost always not that I don't enjoy a good mindless mm. slasher that's just mm. you know out yeah. out to, to to pluck all the strings and to make everybody yeah. go ooh and ah. Yeah. But I'm almost always more intrigued by the mystery thing. Yeah. Not yeah. not not necessarily the why, mm. but the who. I do like the who done it of it. I really do. And what the why liked, can yeah. be intriguing mm. too. Sure. But I do like it when it's a mystery. So. And I had not seen this film since the old VHS days. And even though right now I won't say what it is because I don't know if we're going to give that away or not, but. You never forget the the last scene of the movie of this film. You know you, no. what you said, but what I had forgotten was who was the killer, and so it was kind of I had to too. too. I had not remembered who, uh, and and watch and then I watched the film and realized, oh, I realized why because they don't give you any fucking clues at all in the film nope. who it is. But anyway, we'll nope. get into that. Nope. So uh, they yeah. throw they throw a lot of uh, they throw a lot of lines out to various red herring characters. A couple yeah. of whom, yeah. well, at least one of whom is very obviously. There's no fucking way it can be him <laughs> because he's because so he's obvious. over the top sinister. Exactly. And, and he's, yeah. Yeah, we, yeah. Right, so, right. So anyway. Well, well, at any rate, so we, we will occasionally get, after each murder, starting mm-hmm. here, after the mm-hmm. mirror breaking and after each murder, we will actually get little scenes mm-hmm. of the murderer with his black gloves on, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, messing with the, the jigsaw puzzle that he still kept for 40 years. Yeah, right. Uh, doing, you know, various things around wherever he lives. Mm-hmm. Now, the, 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 the killer is made up, I, I kind of like this, and... Mm-hmm. Juan Piquer Simone has, has, has admitted that the visual inspiration for the look of the killer throughout the movie is kind of the slouch-headed, the mm-hmm. sh- this shadow kind right. of look, right. which is this uh, mm-hmm. kind of a black cloak, slouch hat. Mm-hmm. You can never see his face. Mm-hmm. And that's really kind of neat. And it's definitely a different look. I, I can't think of, and maybe you can, I can't think of another uh, slasher film or horror movie from the 80s where the killer has this look. And it's a very interesting right. look, and it's one that, honestly, I'm surprised didn't get reused, at least to one degree or another, because, um, first of all, it's not it's not hard. To, it's definitely right. not a hard look to pull off, right. and it definitely can be sinister, but also it doesn't have to look sinister no. unless 
you know, mm-hmm. unless that's your bent or if that's right. how you want to do it, because the 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 hat can look non sinister. Right. I mean, there's nothing about the clothing yeah. that's necessary. I, I, and if I the, like and if the killer is known to most of the people in the film as he is, then right. they will recognize. They're not going to. They will look at him. And, yeah, and, yeah, and they're and, not going to go. Why yeah. are you wearing a hockey mask, <clears throat> sir? Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah that's not going to be the thought process <clears throat> for anybody's mind. Is that right. this this person is wearing something odd? Yeah. So, uh, but it still can be. You know, it can still be. It can still be menacing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, um, <laughs> let's let's get to the first murder because oh it's, pretty, it's it's yeah. really quick. I'd forgotten how yeah. fast oh, yeah. how fast in we are mm-hmm. before we mm-hmm. get to the first modern day murder. There's a pretty attractive young co-ed mm-hmm. uh, laying out studying uh, in in a, some, somewhere on this Boston mm-hmm. college campus, aka <laughs> <laughs> aka Madrid, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, she looks quite fetching. Mm-hmm. And uh, some groundskeeper is revving up a chainsaw. In the hedges behind her. Mm. Now we can't see this 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 uh, groundskeeper's face. Right. But she asks him, "When are you, you going to be done? I'm trying to I'm trying to study here." And he uh. he says, "It'll only take a few minutes." And then, wim bang boom, the chainsaw is at her neck, and that head comes flying off. <laughs> yeah. Now, big props to the editing of that sequence, and the fact that they got that actress to obviously bury her head in the grass yeah, for that yeah. shot of the headless yeah. corpse right, because that's right. obviously her body. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that <laughs> that is a that, you know that really kind of is your. I mean, other than I guess you know the axe to the face with the mother mm. right at yeah. the beginning of the movie. Mm. This is the scene where the where the movie essentially you know plops the oh, money down on the like, table yeah, and go like, yeah. this is what you paid yeah, for that's right? right that's right you're in for <laughs> we're in for this you yeah. ready because we're fucking doing yeah. this baby yeah. head's coming off there's the corpse no yeah. head right <laughs> and 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 I will you know I'll give it I'll give it credit too for the fact that you're not expecting it here because we've been geared to think that the kid the, the deaths are going to come at night in some long corridor right. some secluded place you're not thinking like here in the middle of a college campus and as as in a, as again Artsy or inane, you know, as inane as that, <laughs> as inane as that is, it's also kind of a you. you it definitely catches you. You're not ready for it, you know. No, first time and you that's, see it, that's like, kind oh, of the amazing thing because yeah. what I what we're built to think, yeah, as as watchers of movies and watchers of especially horror movies is, yeah. oh, this is the scene where the killer is stalking or he spotted yeah, yeah. his, his he's, he spotted he's his victim. victim. You're right. Yeah, he spotted his victim and he's going to wait for his chance and he's going to get her. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> It's happening right now in broad daylight, friends, right in front of God and everybody. Here we go. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm still, even rewatching it just last week, I'm just so impressed that <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, ball, the balls and everybody's like, no, yeah. we're, getting this, we're getting this started. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, let's, let's, let's uh, I want to take a sidestep here mm. and point out that there is a kind of uh, squinty-eyed gardener character oh, uh, in the movie who a lot of uh, suspicion is cast upon. He's played by one of he's played, he's played by a great actor. Oh yeah, yeah a, a guy named Paul L. Smith. Yeah, who you might have recognized from about a hundred different mm, movies. Mm. Everything from Dune to Popeye. The man was Bluto in Robert Altman's Popeye with Robin Williams. And it? and I forget I was gonna, I forget whether this was before or after Popeye, but uh, after. I was gonna say okay, that would make sense because I because I, I, I was thinking like uh, he's still playing Bluto in this film. You know? I know <laughs> he's, to a degree, he's, still, he's still channeling well, he's Bluto. Also play, he's also kind of playing the Beast Raban well, too. Oh yeah, there. you're right. Well, you can tell the director said, "I want you to act as sinister as you and suspicious yes. as you possibly can," and so we get this great one-eyed like. Well, see, that's just it. Gets in this. 
<laughs> Paul Smith demonstrates the full facial range of ticks yeah. that one can express. Yeah. I mean, the facial tick. Yeah. Like, I thought it, you meant ticks the insect. No, 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 no. I'm definitely <laughs> yeah. talking no, no, every which mean, yeah. way you can yeah. twitch a muscle which, in yeah, your yeah. face. Yeah. He does. <laughs> he does. It's amazing. You're right. And, 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 <laughs> at times, at, at times, there's a at, at, there was a fear at a certain point of me going. Is he winking at us? Is yeah, this, I know. Is, is this, he, a, yeah, is he maybe, is, he, maybe, is, maybe, is this yeah. a kind of little wink? Yeah. At us? But no, no, no. He's fully in the scene. He's just yeah. crazy. Yeah. I mean, the character yeah. is obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he's not an unhinged or, or no. mean spirited. Or, or there's yeah. nothing. In the end, there's nothing wrong with this guy, mm-hmm. except when cops come at him and try yeah. and try to arrest him. Yeah, for nothing. and then yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, yeah, he's in the wrong place, at the wrong time, several times. You yes, know. exactly. Which is just another of those beautiful things of let's make sure lots of suspicion is thrown on the giant hulking character who we know it can't, can't be. be because you're trying to yeah exactly. <laughs> okay, well uh, I'm going to say that this uh, this murder kind of sets in motion what I'm going to refer to as one of the most lackadaisical police. Wow. <laughs> police procedural setups of all time. I would, not, never want, I would not want these guys guarding my property. No. <laughs> Lieutenants Brackett and Holding. Holden. This investigation is without a doubt the the, mm. the 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 most low energy attempt to find a killer that I mm. can imagine. <laughs> okay? There is so little effort these guys mm. put into things. It's almost as if at a certain point they're just hanging out waiting for another death. <laughs> I'm I'm re- okay. Well, for, well, let's talk. You gotta about love the, the two guys playing him. Though. Oh, I do love the two guys playing him. It's, yeah. it's Christopher George, who's yeah. a great, who's an American actor who um, mm-hmm. I guess he rose to to fame in uh, the television show Rat Patrol, right? Mm-hmm. And then he was in a couple of he was in a couple of uh, movies with John Wayne. He was mm-hmm. really good friends with John Wayne. He was in uh, El Dorado and Chisholm. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a matter of fact, in the late '60s, uh, on uh, I can't remember what film it is, but it, he first met uh, Susan George. Mm-hmm. Who he eventually married. They actually married in the early seventies, and they stayed married until uh, mm-hmm. Christopher George passed away. Mm-hmm. And uh, sadly, in nineteen eighty four, uh, he only made one more movie after Pieces. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm sure you're. I mean, do you, are you aware of of how he died and why he died? I, uh, you know, I don't know that I've. I don't know okay. that I, I'm sure I've heard. But he I don't was remember. in a he was in a stunt accident uh, while making Rat Patrol in the sixties. He was in an accident, and his uh, his chest was compressed. His his chest mm. was crushed, mm. um, and it gave him basically it messed his messed up his heart, uh, and so mm. that's what eventually he, it just like eventually it was sort he, of a, he, he yeah. it weakened his heart to such a degree that that's mm. how it, that's what he died from when he was just fifty four for God's yeah. sake. I knew he died young, but I did not uh, yeah. remember the the causes. And of course, uh, of course, he was also uh, and, uh, oh, you may just mention this, but Gates of Hell is in Fulci's Gates of Hell, oh, of course, hand, yeah. which which we love, you know that. So he was in there, but uh, um, love Christopher George. He's mm. he's one of those actors who, uh, man, you can definitely see it in this. Mm-hmm. He is. Yeah. He knows he's, he's falling on hard times. <laughs> well, not only that, he's also not selling this thing short. He is doing oh, sure, everything yeah. he yeah. can oh, yeah, yeah. to bring this thing up as high as he can drag yeah. it. Yeah. He's not half-assing his performance. No, he's definitely not. He's not treating this shit with a derision that it probably should be given. Mm. He's trying his best, and he's doing a good job, and he mm. is, mm. I mean, honestly, man, he's, he's, he's the only real actor in the damn movie. I mean, as much yeah. as I like Susan George, yeah. she's not a particularly great actress. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's she's just fine in the movie, don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but it's Christopher George. It's her husband who's awesome mm-hmm. in this. He's the guy who's carrying the, the thespian weight. Mm-hmm. Um, By the way, I think that it's actually 
Linda, Linda Day, Day George, George oh, not Susan George. But, yes, you're you know, right. You're yeah. absolutely Troy. Troy, I apologize. Well, uh, I sat there and I thought it's Linda, I, it's Linda Day George. Not I was Susan like, should George. I let him just keep keep uh, hanging himself on there, or should I like you know? <laughs> not Susan <laughs> should I let the, should I let our loyal listeners like uh, uh, come in with that? It's, but it's I, I, it's it's Linda Day, and she Linda is Day. she married Christopher. And, and, and I'm wondering if she's kind of Linda Day on this. Don't tell, tell me this is the movie they met on. That would be, oh God, no, no, no! Of course not. They yeah. met. Uh, they Much met in 1966 on some other movie. I wonder if she was already known as Linda they, Day George, and then she may be still just going. Were they already married by this? Point? Oh, they were married by this. Okay, point. so they she, got married in the early 70s. Okay, but did yeah. she? Okay, so I thought it. But did she ever professionally go? by Linda Day George she did it at some point didn't she or did she yeah, yeah. Or, okay but in this she's just by got, this but I think she's actually named I think in the credits it just lists her as Linda Day for some reason you know, I'm, I not, I'm not sure but no 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 she was known as Linda Day because George because that's what I thought like if she's for not, like the rest I, of her they got I thought married. that they were like together much earlier than that but I just, they, yeah. they first met in like I think like 66 okay that would make sense and um, they 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 hit it off but they didn't you know they didn't they didn't mm. go into a relationship until they met again mm. while making Chisholm together the mm. John Wayne film and then soon after that, they were married. Okay. And they stayed married until he died. Yeah. Well, it's cool that they got to work together on this film. So well, they made, cool they, they apparently they worked together in quite they a few did quite a, Yeah, they did. Stuff. They did make several films yeah. together, yeah. and that's cool. That, uh, And I don't know if she's still alive. I'm not sure if she is or um, sure if she... I think still... she might actually be. I hate to say that I don't know for yeah. sure. Yeah. But yeah. I didn't check on that either, but... Um, yeah. But yes, and his now I'd like we got to say somebody his uh, his partner too uh, is uh, uh, Frank Brana, uh, who a we've man seen who in many we've things. seen in many things. Yeah, he we've made, seen him in several films. He made tons and tons of westerns. Um, he was in Return of the Evil Dead. Uh, he was in Kilma, Queen of the Amazons. Now I can't remember if that's the Kilma film we watched or was that the uh, the other Kilma film because there were two of them I know and one had had Nashi. I and one, can't remember. I cannot remember either. And then he was in the Cantabrians. We saw him in the Cantabrians. Uh, oh, we've seen him in more films than things. that. I'm pretty sure. Things. Frank yeah. Brana has been mm-hmm. in a lot of the movies that we've covered here, yeah. and that's kind of one of the the neat little joys mm-hmm. of a movie like this. Are mm-hmm. as you've been pointing out for the entire run of the Nashi cast, people like Victor Israel and things like that. Yeah, is these are the uh, what would you say? I mean, these are the uh, the character actors, the workaday yeah. the workaday mm-hmm. actors who mm-hmm. become familiar faces when you start paying attention to someone other than the the main the main mm-hmm. name stars. Mm-hmm. Uh, he kind of became an actor that uh, Juan Picares the J.P. Simon yeah <laughs> used several times. He, he was in the Rift. He was in Slugs. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in Pod People. Oh, oh, oh. yeah, 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 exactly. Awesome. awesome. And he's one of those guys who turns up. Um, Turns up in a lot. Of, he was in Hundra, which is one of my favorite. Oh God, Hundra was yeah, Hundra's yeah. the last. Yeah, didn't we? Didn't you and I watch? We watched it at one of our Viking theme parties one time. We watched Hundra, and I remember we showed that. Did here we do it? We had this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, and, 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 had a and, blast with it. Oh, I know. I know. And he was in a. He was in a lot of uh, J.P. Simon's films. Mm-hmm. He was in that movie from 1974 called Open Season, which I still. I think I. I don't think you've don't seen. Be, I need to. I've I need seen to show it. you. Yeah, that I, need film. To, I do need to see that movie. I've, that's I've a. Seen. That's a very interesting film, and I'd forgotten that he was in that. Uh, he's also in uh, Hannah, Queen of the Vampires, that movie that mm. was shot in Turkey mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. that I actually just wrote a <laughs> wrote a review of because the film's just been put out on Blu-ray by uh, oh, yeah. Vinegar Syndrome. Yeah. But uh, Frank Brana is one of those guys who it's it's always fun to see him pop up, mm-hmm. and uh, he's he's solid in this. But I have to say, his character mm. was given some really funky ass lines. Oh yeah, yeah, he really was. And he and uh, he and uh, Christopher George have sort of a little uh, cigar. That's their shtick. They have this little cigar shtick they have between yeah. each other. That's kind of the running gag between you know. And from what uh, from what uh, Simon has said in uh, interviews, 
he allowed his actors to to invent those kind of things to to mm. kind of uh, create characterizations mm. to kind of create some things and sometimes mm. to create entire scenes mm. because like I say he knew damn good and well that he what he had was going to have to be stretched he was going to have to put some more meat on these bones because yeah. he didn't have something that was quite feature length considering how short this movie is I mean what is it 84 yeah, 85 like yeah. minutes mm. he's kind of right if without without the scenes and the stretching then it, then um, mm. He would have been in trouble. Mm-hmm. To the, the movie might, might you know might have only clocked in at about seventy seventy five minutes, and mm-hmm. that would have been a red that would have been a red flag. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're basically getting uh, they're basically uh, meeting with the dean, and and uh, we're finding out about how uh, the dean is telling them <laughs> that he wants him to be discreet, be discreet in okay, investigating yeah. this chainsaw beheading. Two things. Let's yes. talk Ed, Edmund Purdom and yeah. Yeah. the fact that as I said before. They think they can they can somehow keep out of the newspapers and away from everybody the <laughs> uh-huh. knowledge that someone was murdered on campus with a chainsaw and the head is missing. <laughs> <coughs> yeah. First, Edwin Ed, Edmund Purdom. Mm-hmm. Uh, one might call him a washed up American actor who kind of got kind of uh, either got booted out of the studio system or said to hell with the studio system or whatever, moved to Europe and uh, moved to Europe in the late 50s, early 60s, mm-hmm. and just never looked back. Just mm-hmm. made movie after movie after movie in Italy and Spain and just wherever he could make movies. And in a way, that's kind of sad. It, it's, 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 it's sad for him on a professional level, but in a lot of ways, we kind of have to be happy because him turning up in these movies, first of mm-hmm. all, he's actually a decent actor. Yeah, yeah. Um, when He's I good. say that when I say that Christopher George is the only good actor in this movie, mm. that's not true. Yeah, there's other good is, actors. Him is good. Mm. Uh, he's just uh, the role he's given, unfortunately, is fairly one note. Yeah, the dean's whole shtick is uh, pretty much, "Hey, let's not talk to anybody about this. Mm, uh, this can we can up, we cover yeah. this up? Mm. I know we've had another one. Yeah, another one. Look, I know we've got, look, yeah. look wait, it does no one any good to yeah. let people know about this at mm. all. <laughs> let's not. Yes, I know there've been three. Yeah, <laughs> but even even yeah. if you were to start telling people that now, mm-hmm. that would be bad. It would just frighten people. Yeah, I know we left some of the body parts around while people were coming in to swim <laughs> that morning, but I'm not was... sure if they saw them. So if maybe we can get them out of there before. <laughs> now, um, I think the movie wants the the interactions between the two police detectives to be a little more charming than they are. But they are mm-hmm. pretty they are pretty fun. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I think uh, if they if they're if they were a little bit if they were better written, it would be well. I'm gonna. How many times could I say no, this? No, yeah. Here, take the, take this as a comment on every scene in the movie. If yeah, it were if better, it better written, written, yeah, <laughs> the movie would be better. But yeah. then again, it wouldn't end it up wouldn't being be the movie that we have. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's so I right. don't know if I really want to go down that pathway too mm. too frequently. I just I'll just say it this once. Yeah, and you can kind of listener, you may interject that phrase within mm. any pause that you discern within the commentary <laughs> that we are about to continue doing. Okay, just just remember that phrase. <laughs> So, we have the second murder pop up, like I think, like the next damn day, which is this absolutely mind-bendingly attractive woman who goes topless swimming in the uh, <clears throat> college pool. Mm-hmm. Uh, she gets uh, attacked by our killer and uh, chopped into many, many pieces there on the side of the pool. Okay, let's talk about the killer's choice of weaponry. Uh, I love the fact yeah. that... Yeah, he and nobody picks, can hear it. He, yes, and he looks back. He, now, there's one scene in the whole movie where he actually legitimately comes up with a way to cover up the sound of the chainsaw. You know, right, but, one time. One time, but in general, yeah. Okay, first of all, he picks the most inefficient, loudest, hardest to conceal murder weapon, <laughs> and it has no tie back to 
they've seen the intro the, the, in the in the prologue scene he's used a an axe or a saw or something yeah. there's no yeah. reason for him to choose a chainsaw to do other <laughs> to than do. other than uh, the tagline you don't have to go to Texas to have a chainsaw that's yeah really and that's good. really what that was you can tell this started with the idea we need a chainsaw because we want right. to pull in the chainsaw massacre crowd or reference that yeah Work it in, work it in. You know, Dick Randall's telling J.P. Simon, just make it work. You know, oh, and, and exactly. I think there's a That's lot right. of cases here where Dick Randall was saying, make it, make it, make, make it work. This is what I want, make it work. Yeah. You know, so. <laughs> I, I think you're right. <laughs> well, what, what I love is that, first of all, they, they supposedly, up through the third murder, they're keeping this quiet. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> you're not. Yeah, no, no. There's no fucking way. Yeah. And yeah. the movie insists that you, of all the crazy things this movie wants you to believe, mm-hmm. the fact that it wants you to believe that murders are happening on a college campus <laughs> huh. and they can keep it quiet. Yeah. yeah. They can't keep a rape threat quiet yeah. on no. a college. They couldn't no. keep that kind of thing quiet when I was in college, yeah. for fuck's sake. Yeah. That was the 80s, too. <laughs> no. A murder? Yeah. That's, trust me. Yeah. Trust me, someone getting hit by a car was known instantaneously by every sentient being in a 10-mile radius of the college campus. Yeah, if two people got into a little scuffle, you know. If two yeah. people got into a shouting match in the campus cafeteria, it was a Ooh, it was big news. Yeah, it was big, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, well, I love this. A couple things specific about this, this second murder. First of all, right before we are introduced to our, quote-unquote, I guess our basic hero of the film, uh, Kendall, who is uh, the oh, campus yeah. stud. He apparently is the, and uh, I, I guess the European, least, I guess European ideas stud. of what a campus stud is are a little different than American, because he apparently scores with every female on the campus, if we believe what his friend says and about well, him. Well, we do see his and penis, we see him and like, his, yeah. we see his cock, and that's a yeah. hell of a cock. Yeah, he's, 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 you know. He's hung, like, he's he's hung like a bull elk. <laughs> Holy shit. He's a popular guy. He's a popular guy. And this girl that has gone to... Go supposed to meet him in the pool. They're going skinny dipping together, yeah, and she yeah. gets there before him. She gets murdered right by the chainsaw. Okay, uh, of course, Paul Smith wanders in to find you of know course. at the you know to just as to, to find his bloody chainsaw there, and <laughs> Kendall Kendall wanders in at the same moment. Yeah, sees him with the bloody chainsaw. And, and runs, runs opens the, the door, and the cops are standing right outside the door. Apparently, they were just apparently Frank Bryan and a couple of cops were just sort of hanging out there right outside the door because he opens the door and brings them in. We we yeah. thought there might be a chainsaw. Nearby. Yeah, I, they, I don't know what, I, what what could they say to justify those characters being there? being there. I know exactly. <laughs> Kendall, as we find out, is also at the at, 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 apparently he's the only male. I think him and his buddy are the only males on the whole campus. As far as I can tell, as far as we can tell. Uh, his buddy is the, of which, course, may, the, which would explain yeah. why he's getting laid. Which is why he's, I think, now there's, no there's no other guys. I think that's it. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah, yeah. This is a, I hadn't thought about that before, but you're right. It is a pretty underpopulated college campus, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It really is. I think there's a faculty. I mean, yeah. I think there's a student body of about ten. You know, and, <laughs> yes. and two of them are men. The rest two of them are men. Eight, eight hot women, and, and, and all the eight, eight women do aerobics. They all we have to. This would be in the early '80s. We have to get the yep. sort of flash dance esque. Scene there, you know, except it's it's except it's nowhere near as energetic as Flashdance, but we have to get the girls in their leg warmers and and uh, and aerobics outfits. Doing we have there. forgotten that we we also in the oh. scene where uh, we forgot the introduction of our man Jack oh, Taylor. We'd be remiss if we didn't, yeah, mention that. Okay, uh, yeah, let's uh, Professor Brown. And, okay, uh, now here's the thing: mm-hmm. uh, Jack Taylor plays Professor Professor Brown, mm-hmm. and in one of the most one of the most bizarre under <laughs> under 
cranked moments in the movie, mm-hmm. and that will sound odd, but it, it, basically, as we're entering a scene from another scene, we hear Edmund Purdom telling the two police detectives in his office that Jack Taylor's character, Professor Brown, is a homosexual who lives at home with his mother. Yes. That seems almost to be buried in the sound. Yeah, yeah. And not brought up enough mm. because that's supposed to be the reason why the cops are, are, are should be dismissive of him. Oh, he's a homosexual who lives with his mother. Mm. And it's, it's like... It should okay. also be, I'm thinking, the reason that we as viewers are supposed to think like, ooh, is it him? Is psycho. Because it's like, is he living with, they say he's living is with he living his with mother, the is he living mother? with the corpse of his mother, and he's, right. you know, it's like, so that's supposed or to Or is he be. really living with his mother? Right, yeah. Is he really homosexual? Mm-hmm. I mean, these are all things that that are just tossed out yeah. there, Yeah. and there's nothing else in the rest of the movie that's supposed mm-hmm. to indicate that this is a homosexual character. No, especially since, I mean, well, and apparently the women, I guess, I guess they're getting tired of uh, Kendall, and they won't, you know, it seems like all the girls won't. Well, they they, they, they liked it. They, they liked to like, tease. They, they're trying to. They they were know. teasing him and messing yeah. with him in that scene, but we learned that we then learn in the next scene that he's the, he's a professor of anatomy, right. which is why she would be she, which is why she might think that it's really funny. Yeah, yeah, right. This whole question about yeah. what are the pectoral muscles? <laughs> well, they're your tits, dear. I mean, yeah. the, that's what you you know to, to to mess with a professor of anatomy. Yeah. I can imagine that. In other words, I I, I never read that scene as. Mm someone messing with someone because they thought they were gay or because they are gay, mm-hmm. but messing with that person because I'll thrust my tits out at you and yeah. we can be, and we're talking about anatomy and I can get away with it, you know? <laughs> and here's where, here's an amazing scene where J.P. Simon does not play by the American slasher rules because, okay, this scene, we, I know we're going to drop this soundbite in there somewhere because it's probably the great, one of the greatest lines in all the history of, 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 of movies that this girl utters uh, about. Oh, yes. About, okay, now I have to say this, they're basically what brings it up is somebody says, Starts off the scene, you know, these kids are standing around there and they're talking and one of them says, uh, hey, they're installing a waterbed in the gym. First of all, my question is, why the fuck why the, is there a waterbed in the gym? Why? <laughs> is there a waterbed? No one sleeps in a gym. Yes. No one. There are no exercise programs no, that, that I'm aware of. That involve a waterbed. I mean, it's like, now my first thought was, okay, maybe it's just a really like underfunded school and it's the closest thing come to a swimming pool. But no, but then no, no in a little swimming. while they have a swimming pool. So it's not that. We know exactly what it is. What happened was, at some point, either Dick Randall or J.P. Simon thought, you know it would be a really cool scene was to have the killer kill somebody on a waterbed because he can slash and miss them a couple of times and he can slash the water and they can roll around. It would be just like a really cool visual. How do we get a waterbed into the film? And that's what they... That's the best that's, they can come up with, up with. Right there, yeah. Is that we're just gonna have them install it now, you know? Or unless it's a, you know, I mean, maybe Elena can tell us. Maybe that's a Spanish. Maybe maybe Spanish campuses just put Ooh. water beds in gym in case the students. Wanna, maybe it's a European thing or a Spanish. Yeah, thing. if they want to smoke pot and screw on the there <laughs> on the school, they can they can just have one water bed right there in the gym that they can go to. But <laughs> but but this is this is the great line. But here's where J.P. Simon breaks the rules because we see this hear this girl utter this line about. Um, you know, um, you know. Obviously, she's the she's the loose girl on campus, right? You know, she she's not about, the only one. But no, yeah. no. But she talks about how she loved to have sex on water and smoke pot. Then she goes and thrusts her breast out the professor. And we, as American viewers, are supposed to instantly want her death. We're supposed to let, want to see her. You no, must see you murdered. I instantly just want to see, see her, her naked. <laughs> we don't get we don't get to see her naked. We don't get oh, to see her true. killed. We never see her again. You know, it's like that's right. like I said. He he. I can't believe that he. I, I thought that for sure that we were that this was what we're going to do. And, she actually survives, which is well, like... Well, so, not- here's the thing. Now, once again, remember that phrase, dear listener at home, 
Remember yeah. the phrase that I told you I was not going to repeat again, but you may now mm. insert it in here. Bleep. Mm. Yes. <clears throat> the way this film should be yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is that mm. we have a group of females mm. that this man is going to harvest body parts from. Right. We see each of the red herrings we, yeah. eyeing these females at different yeah. times or in contact, you know, in like classrooms right. or in public places. We become or, familiar with these girls, you know, we become we, we to know, know them. them a little bit. And okay. so then when mm. they are killed mm. and we are told which body part is missing from mm. the corpse when mm. the body is found, mm. we have seen this person mm. and we understand at least to a degree Okay, so he's harvesting from, like, less, mm. you know, he's harvesting from Betty. Right. He got her legs. That's, okay, okay. Mm, mm. Well, we saw her legs in the mm. gym scene or the whatever scene or this. Mm. He took the torso from her. Well, we saw her topless when she was swimming or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. In other words, in a, in a film that was attempting to put together something that would have you trying to eliminate possible possible uh, killers from your list of possible killers, um, you would be going, well, wait a minute. Okay, I, did this person, is this a person, this, did they have contact <laughs> with each other? Did they know yeah, each other? Was right. there anything that could have... <clears throat> That's not this film. No, it's not. It's no, not. what we have here is not a thing where there's a rhyme or reason. Now, not that there should be a rhyme or reason to why a killer wants, you know, the hands of this person or the legs of that person or just whatever in the hell to stitch together into some mm -hmm. kind of mm -hmm. bizarre human jigsaw puzzle. Mm -hmm. But this film is not interested in the quote-unquote mystery aspect of mm -hmm. the story it's trying to tell. No. It's not interested in that at all, which is one of the things I love about it because mm -hmm. it just bulldozes right past all the bullshit mm -hmm. investigation and and murder mystery aspect of anything that could be wrapped around this story. It just goes, no, 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 chainsaw. Yeah, well, well, yeah, well, here we go. We get after the second murder, uh, we get a scene where it's from the killer's sort of point of view where he's, you know, oh, yeah, he's taking his body parts into his lair. And we hear that he obviously has asthma. And that's a clue that's going to be something that's going to play heavily into the revelation of who the killer is. No, no it's not. not. It has absolutely nothing, nothing to, to do, do with, with anything. anything. That's what it's just like. Uh, yeah, this is the point where at some point later in the film you're supposed to suddenly discover that one of these characters that you suspect, you know, suspected is his secretly, you know, it's going to reveal that he has this asthmatic breathing that you hear in these films. Like, nope, it has not. The asthmatic breathing you hear in these scenes has no rhyme, reason, or point no, whatsoever. No. Have you heard the latest? They've just installed a waterbed in the training room. Have you ever been laid on a waterbed? The most beautiful thing in the world is smoking pot and fucking on a waterbed at the same time. <laughs> Here he comes. This. <laughs> oh, Professor Brown. Excuse me, sir. Can I ask you something? What are the pectorals? My friends all laugh at me. They say mine are funny. I assure you, you have nothing to worry about. Thank you, sir. But where are they? Here. Right here. <laughs> so let's. Okay, Christopher George's character mm. is Lieutenant Bracken, uh, and I like that name, by the way. Yeah. Uh -huh. Let's 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 talk briefly about his detective. Let's say his methodology. procedural methods here yeah. and his. Uh, yeah. Um. 
first of all, he doesn't seem to spend a whole lot of time on campus questioning people. He's, he apparently has like flunkies doing that for him, right? Which is okay, fine, good, whatever. He seems more like concerned with keeping up with his raincoat that he carries around incessantly. You know? <laughs> and making sure he's got good cigars. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he, he has what I'm going to generously refer to as uh, an unconventional method of hunting for a killer on a college campus. Take someone who mm-hmm. could logically be a suspect, mm-hmm. someone fucking a lot of women on campus, yeah, yeah. and enlist them as a junior grade cop. Oh my gosh, I mean, Kendall's pretty much got a badge by this end of this I know. <laughs> now, this makes absolutely zero sense. Yes. First of all, because Kendall has horrible taste in sweaters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that should disqualify <laughs> him immediately. Yeah. But, if we're going to hang with yeah. this, first of all, Kendall needs to get a haircut because that's, that's, that's some fuzzy some shit on his head. On. I don't know what the hell he thought that was. Yeah. I don't know if yeah. that was an accident and he just lived <laughs> with it or what. But I love the idea that he's running around this college campus having sex with whoever will have sex yeah. with him. And also, ostensibly, investigating, investigating murder. murder. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Adding to that, mm. we da- we haven't we haven't even gotten to Linda Day George yet. Yeah. Oh yeah. Where she's yeah they yeah they, he says yeah Bracken tells the dean that he wants to bring two women investigators you know undercover investigators undercover investigators to college campus here. He ends up bringing one because he only got one. He and makes a reference to being understaffed. Maybe that's why they brought Kendall in. You know this is the Boston <laughs> Police Force, but apparently they only have like three people on staff. Apparently. apparently <laughs> well, I know we, near the, near the uh, in the last third of the film, uh, Frank Brana's character is up for like. Something like seventy-two hours, hours straight. You've got no one else to do paperwork. paperwork. Apparently, nobody gets to do paperwork here. Research. You know? yeah. No one I, can go through all this. There stuff. were two other cops, but I, I guess they got when they got beat up by Paul Smith. That like took them out of who, <laughs> by the way. Movie, who, yeah. by the way, apparently doesn't spend a single night in jail, even no, though he no. beats up two cops. Which you know, I think it is. Usually, an, I, and yeah. it is obviously their, their number one prime suspect because they found him near the murder weapon with a bloody, bloody chainsaw, corpse, and yeah. he beat them, and he fought them, and yet he just apparently is like <laughs> completely. I think he spent roughly the time in jail that one would need to spend to eat a meal and yeah. he's out he's gone oh good god okay so Linda Day George mm-hmm. it's revealed that although she's a famous ex-tennis pro yeah she's <laughs> she's also her day job is working as a cop for Boston which makes zero I was about to say this sounds like which, which, which sounds like the premise for a TV series but really it sounds like does it though yeah. doesn't it doesn't that feel like mm. someone's Pilot idea that Pilot, didn't yeah, sell. Yeah, yeah. Ten, tennis pro by day, cop by cop night. By yeah, night. <laughs> Mary Riggs. Mary and Riggs. That's, and, that's the, and that's the character's name, yeah, by the way. Yeah. So she's apparently been working a desk job for the Boston mm-hmm. Police. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. What? What? Whatever movie. If you're gonna, I'll I'll, I'll go with it. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, because Kendall recognizes her immediately. Oh, you're the tennis pro. You know? Right. So. The cop immediately takes him into the whole plan mm-hmm. and explains that, well, okay, she's going to go onto campus as an undercover mm-hmm. agent. She's going to be a tennis, mm-hmm. uh, she's going to be a ten- new tennis teacher on campus. Somebody even like mentions to him at some point, why did you tell, why did you tell a potential suspect about, you know, and he's like, are you kidding? This kid's, you know, this kid's not, yeah, there's no he, way this kid's the killer. It's like, how does he how know? He doesn't know the killer's obviously 40 in his 40s or 50s. He doesn't know He doesn't that. know what he is. <laughs> Ah, good lord! It's a... And and Kendall is at every single friggin' murder scene. So yes. <laughs> well, except the first one. Except nobody's the first one. No, yeah. nobody's nobody's at that one. Yeah. Oh my god! This 
this gets more more silly and ludicrous I'm, as it goes along, and that's one of my favorite things. Oh, about it is. It. We meet yeah, we meet the investigative reporter who obviously is going to have a big factor in the plot. No, she no, doesn't. she doesn't. Her name's Sylvia Costa, and uh, she is the and she is the reporter who's who's apparently she knows something is going on on campus. Uh, she's apparently somehow. They, yeah somehow, but you know it's just so well covered up and just so hard to find any evidence that she just nobody's can't willing to talk about this even though at least four or five other students have seen this and have just yeah. been told by the cops don't talk to anybody yeah they're going to keep their mouths shut I think yeah I think the real theme of this is that nobody in this movie is good at their jobs and that's basically what we can <laughs> I think that's what we can pull away from this film is that nobody is good at what they do in this film I have a friend who has a theory that 85% of people are incompetent at whatever job they actually hold uh, yeah maybe this movie is just an indicator <laughs> Indicator that. that. <laughs> oh my god. Oh lord. Okay, yeah. You're yeah, you're, you're, okay, so <laughs> one of the one of the best things about this movie, and I'm not trying to damn it with faint praise, I truly am not, is that it knows that brevity is the soul of wit. Yeah, yeah. It does not overstay its welcome. No, no. Uh, I may have I may have indicated earlier that um uh, that uh JP Simon um Felt that the film might be too short, and therefore mm-hmm. was willing to kind of uh, let scenes get invented as they were as they were making the movie. Mm-hmm. That does not, by any stretch of the imagination, make the film too long or feel like it uh, it drags. It doesn't. Oh, it, no. It's a very it's a very fast. It film. is. It is. It never gets dull, and there's never much of a there's never much of a lull before no. you get some kind of nudity or gore or something to like you know some sort of spice there to you know right. pump things up a little bit there. But I or do, just something to laugh at. You right, know, oh, so. or just something to go. What the hell? Yeah. Now, I want to talk about oh. two things that are very close to each other mm-hmm. in, in, in a section of the film, uh, and then we'll dis- then we'll discuss the uh, the ending mm-hmm. section. Yeah. Um, and I think we'll go ahead and we, we probably will end up going ahead and spoiling the end of it. I don't, and mm-hmm. I think that I think it'll be fun to do. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of people have seen it, and the ending is pretty friggin' famous. So I know. So I think we can probably go yeah. ahead and, and and go with you know. So, but we do want to warn you that we will be spoiling this, and so we if will you do want to just stop and watch the movie if you haven't seen it, and then come back to us. You know, that would be that. fine. So, yeah, but. Two things. One, mm-hmm. one of my favorite scenes in the movie, and the one that probably broke me on first viewing, the one that made me toss my teenage hands in the air and go, "What the fuck am I watching?" Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I know. Is the scene? I can't. I think it's the third or fourth murder. I can't remember where. Our slouch-hatted, black-clad murderer is walking around campus in one of these buildings, and he's obviously stalking one of these. One of these girls, the girl spots him, but yeah. obviously recognizes him, yeah. and therefore has no problem getting into an elevator with this person, mm-hmm. who we can see is hiding Running a, a chainsaw <laughs> behind his back. It's actually not the scene I thought you were going to talk about, but I knew you were going to at some point because oh, you yeah. have to. The, you have the to conceal, talk about it. Yeah, the. <laughs> <laughs> so imagine mm. it's 1983. Yeah, I am. I don't know, 15, mm. and we see a group of us. Watching this film in a real honest to God theater, yeah. I want to I want to add to that. Okay, yeah, right. You're in a real theater when they used we to show these see kind of this guy yeah. hide a mm. chainsaw behind his back and get into an elevator with someone. Mm. We lost our minds. <laughs> I bet one of the people that I was watching this movie with, whose name is lost to the mist of time for me, sadly, actually said out loud, "Is that woman blind?" <laughs> Yes. <laughs> to which, of course, we all cracked up. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. My, my memory is the entire theater cracked up, but I don't remember if everybody heard it or not. I know we cracked up. There's no... 
of all the irrational, insane things, it's mm. weird that this moment is the one that makes yeah. me crack every time yeah. and just go, holy <laughs> shit, okay, okay. But it does. Every time I watch this movie, every time I view this, this sequence, I sit there just... <laughs> stunned yeah. yes. at the balls yeah. on any filmmaker who yeah. thinks, okay, he's just going to hide that giant chainsaw, chainsaw behind his back. Behind there. His back. <laughs> she's not going to know it until he whips it around and cranks yeah. it up. No, <laughs> you're not. I've wielded chainsaws. Yeah. I've cut down trees. Yeah. I've I've swum mighty rivers. No, I'm sorry. I've, <laughs> I'm, I'm creating something wrong now. No, you don't. There's no... Hiding a chainsaw. No, there isn't. Not even. No, exactly. Plus the fact that I mean, he's not even shows that he's holding it behind his back, so it's not even like he's got it concealed under his raincoat. I I mean, even that would make a little more sense. But the fact that he literally is holding it, you know, as heavy as a chainsaw is, you know, if you're going to hold it behind your, you know, first of all, first of all, the blade is so long, it's going to to show. (laughs) It's a really long bladed chainsaw, (laughs) and that's one of the things about it is that's why they chose that chainsaw brand that type. Yeah. Is because it's really fucking. Oh, no, it is. It's yeah, massive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's lumberjack size. But so it's it, it always stuns me. But once again, uh let's 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 get out in the open here. The the as cheesy as the yeah. gore effects are in this movie, there are a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. And some of them are sh- I mean, actually a number of them are really shocking. Yeah, no, and they are. That They're arm, pretty, com- pretty that grand, arm, that arm yeah. coming off is silly. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> here, here, and here's yeah. the one-two punch this film employs. Mm-hmm. I don't think it can't be by design because mm-hmm. what happens is there's a one-two punch of you laughing at the movie, yeah. literally being stunned mm-hmm. that anybody thought this was going to fly, mm-hmm. and then, bam, something so gory and just seriously grotesque happens on screen that you're stunned by it, that you're kind of rocked back in your chair. And the movie repeatedly, like I say, I would love to think it was by design, but I don't think it can be. Mm-hmm. You're kind of laughing at the movie and then mm-hmm. the movie just punches you dead in the face. Yeah, yeah. And it does this repeatedly. And that is my favorite moment of that where you're rolling your eyes and going, oh, please fucking yeah. shit, really? Yeah, yeah. And then it's, that arm comes off yeah. and you're just stunned. Yeah. You're just like, holy shit, that looked real. Mm-hmm. Fucking mm-hmm. hell. Mm-hmm. Or looked real enough. Yeah. Especially to me in yeah. 1983 oh, yeah. in a theater where the damn thing's 40 feet high and you're going, I don't know if I chose the right movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think I may have made a mistake here. No, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, it's it's there are those moments that it, it really, it's pretty, pretty, yeah, with the pretty uh, visceral uh, punches there, like you said, you know, that, that uh, yeah, that you can't just laugh away. You know? No, no, so, no. Yeah. The other thing I want to th- want to, want to, want to talk about is one that does not have that, <laughs> which is just prior to this. Uh, this chainsaw in the elevator scene, which is a scene that needs to be excised from the movie oh for God. you. To, for but, but thank God it's there. I know because it is part of just the it's overall the, pleasure yeah. that this yeah of whatever. It's the just, bad chop suey scene. Oh my God. Oh my okay, God. what this was? <clears throat> yeah, we know the, there's a reason for it. It's not a good one, but there's a reason. The, yeah, this this particular actor was visiting the set. He was in Bruce Lee. Is basically it's not the Bruce Lee, but I think it's Bruce uh, Bruce L E L I or L E. It's not yeah. Well, at any rate, <clears throat> this actor was visiting the set, and they were just like, oh, let's make up a scene where he... Well, when he was kind of a project... Basically, Dick Randall, one of the other things yeah. that he was producing was films with Bruce Lee, and, and you can see that he probably just told Simon, 
again, make it, you know, I want him in this film. Give him a shot. Put him in this give, film. It'll, it'll, film give you another, it'll give you another scene. It'll be kind of funny. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's yeah. terrible. It is. Yeah, basically, Mary is snooping around as, as you at know, night. Several, at night. Mary's, Mary's uh, doing her investigating at Ken, night. And, and Ken, Kendall comes up on his very loud and obviously chainsaw-sounding yeah. motorcycle. Yes. Uh-huh. And uh, they, have a, they have a verbal exchange. They're talking a little bit there. And then, out of nowhere, comes this little Asian man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to start like kung fuing at them. Yeah. And after Mary just you know puts him puts him down, puts him down and Kendall's like, "Oh, it's my kung fu teacher," you know, and then and then we get some really bad ethnic oh, kind know. of jokes he, and, and He, he oh. get, yeah, he gets up and goes, "Oh, sorry about that. I oh, ba- uh, my stomach was upset. Oh, bad chop suey." Yeah. And leaves and that's the end of the scene. Yeah. And it's just as stupid oh, as it as sounds. As it sounds, it is bad. It, it is it is awful. It is oh. just yeah. It <laughs> does not even begin to work in any way, shape, or form. No, and I have no idea. I mean, like I say, it's if if there were more than one hyper non sequitur, because that's the worst non sequitur in the entire film. It is, yeah. It, it relates is. to nothing. It, right. Exactly. We can make all the jokes we want to about mm-hmm. the characters that you think are going to matter to the story mm-hmm. that don't, mm-hmm. but at least they're not complete non sequiturs. At least they're, okay, it's a reporter, or yeah. it's another student, or it's a whatever. Mm-hmm. This is yeah. just. Oh, hey! There was this guy. He was a martial artist on set. Mm. Make a scene with him. It's 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 hysterically fucking bad. It's I'm mm. always shocked when the scene happens. Yeah. Even though I'm waiting even for though, it. Yeah. Uh-huh. There's a part of me that goes, I, it "Really? It can't really exist." <laughs> I've seen it like five times before. <laughs> Every time I've watched this movie, the scene's been in the movie. But I, I, I must be misremembering it, right? <laughs> no, it's there. It's actually there. Oh my lord! Anyway, that crazy sequence. It's probably like I say. That's the most insane non sequitur. I think. Yeah, oh, I agree. I agree. It's it. Yeah. But. The scene that rivals it, and I've always had a theory about this scene, and we're gonna, I'm going to put this forward. This is the moment where Linda Day George does not paint herself in glory. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, it, is, it is one of the other justifiably infamous uh, moments in the film. You see it? Yes! While we were out here fumbling with that music... The lousy bastard was in there killing her! Bastard! 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 He cut that poor girl in half while she was still alive. You have any idea the terror that kid went through? She was still alive, for Christ's sakes. I know, Lieutenant, I know. But I'm doing the best I can. If I go too fast, I might miss something. You just gotta give me more time. We don't have any more time. Take some uppers or something. Just get me a lead. Anything. What I need is some help. I've been going 23 hours straight, but my eyes can't take it any longer. I'll do my best. Okay. There's no good excuse. <laughs> no, there's really not. For, for that. Okay. Here's my theory about this, about this scene. Yeah, if she was going for the Oscar, this was not going to get it for her. I don't think that's what happened. I don't either. No. Here's what I think happened. And this is something that doesn't get talked about a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's beginning to be something that more people talk about because of the way movies are shot now digitally. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. because you hear you hear actors talking about this. Uh, old school actors like Diana Rigg or older actors who come on and are shooting things like Game of Thrones. When they start shooting sequences for that television series, and this is the way it is with movies too, they're shooting digitally. Okay, mm-hmm. so they don't have to worry about using up film. Mm, right. It doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. So what they do is they don't turn the camera off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They just keep rolling. The mm-hmm. actors, uh, the, all the younger actors who work this way are accustomed to it and know it. Mm-hmm. And therefore, if they flub a line, mm-hmm. they will just stop, yeah. back up, start the line again, mm-hmm. and then go on. Mm-hmm. Because the editing is seamless. It's mm-hmm. being shot. This mm-hmm. is something that can be done digitally. They don't have to worry about And they'll just stop. Mm-hmm. And turn and, and, and talk to someone else and go, okay, okay, okay. And then go back in. No one's saying cut. No yeah. one's doing any of this. Here's what I think is going on mm-hmm. in this scene, the bastard, bastard, bastard yeah, scene. Yeah, okay, here's yeah. what I think is happening. Uh-huh. I think, and this happens a lot with actors, is they will say and do things mm-hmm. while shooting a scene that they know won't get used uh, in the final You're saying that she movie. thought only one of those bastards might right. get used. Right. <laughs> I am convinced yeah, you... that as an actor, she thought mm. only one of the... What the script wants from me mm. is this once. Yeah. Okay? Because nobody can look at this scene with any kind of art... Nobody with any kind of artistic training, whether it's as an actor or director, could possibly look at this scene and think... This is how it should play out, you know. Right. This is going to feel natural. This is like how this would. I mean, and certainly exactly. an actor is not going to think. I mean, she probably she she was probably horrified to do a thing like this. Is what how this is actually going to come out on screen, you know? Right. What I think is that she just and actors have always done mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. They know they know this is only a couple of seconds, so they'll 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 just. It's just their line and the scene yeah. is about to end or it's just yeah. their line and then another someone else to re- has to react or it's they know it's going to have to be edited in one way or another. So they will just do it mm-hmm. in a couple of different ways, mm-hmm. one right after the other, and then really the scene call, the, there's a scene cut mm-hmm. and then turn to the director and go, mm-hmm. one of those, right? Mm-hmm. Would you like me to do mm-hmm. that again and use one of those ways or which would you which one would you want? And my clue for that is one... It's ludicrous. Yes. Yeah. I've seen footage, behind the scenes footage, of actors doing things like that. Yeah. In hmm. in scene and all hmm. the other actors in the scene maintaining themselves while the actor who's questioning it delivers the line and then immediately stops themselves and goes and then just backs up, resets, and does the line immediately again. Mm-hmm. Because they realize, okay, I flubbed that or I don't think that worked or mm-hmm. that definitely didn't work. Let me do that right now. Just do it again. Mm-hmm. And the, the telltale is the other actor in the scene. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you're saying. The, the actor playing Kendall, Kendall. Right. Clearly is not reacting to this like a crazy woman screaming a right. name three times. He's right. reacting to this mm-hmm. each time as if she's just walked out here and she's, she's, just, she's, saying it. she's yeah. just saying it. So I see what I you're think, saying. That's very interesting. That's, I, I think that's, that's I what's think going what on there. Well, it does make, because you're right. Because otherwise, I mean, because it really doesn't make any sense whatsoever no, um it doesn't make any it's one of those things that you know you wouldn't take anything for it now because it's it's just <laughs> no, another of course not. No. now but if it was in a other if it was a really awful moment in an otherwise really solid film you might wish it was gone but since yeah. it's just one more crazy moment in an altogether crazy film it's just like nah i wouldn't i'm glad it's there it's just another priceless just another thing yeah. to love you well, know? there are a lot of things like <laughs> that that end up in films that make that make films bad or make sequences yeah. in films bad one of my yeah. favorites is in the absolutely wretched 
remake of The Wicker Man. Well, which I haven't seen, but I've heard some sound bites from it, and just the okay, sound. Well, clips okay, well, are, the, sound just bites, the sound clips are hysterical. If all you've ever heard of the sound clips, I guarantee one of the sound clips you've heard is Nick Cage being attacked by bees and yeah. saying, no, "Oh God, not, not the, the bees, bees!" Not the bees. Yeah. And then saying, "Oh God, they're in my eyes." Yeah. Okay. Yeah. First of all, no human being would say that. Right. But what that is is what an actor in the middle of a scene where there are actually nothing, there's yeah. nothing on him. Right. He's having to. As an actor, imagine this and come up with this and react to something yeah. that's going to be put in later via, yeah. via special yeah. effects. Mm-hmm. So what an actor will do is he will, knowing that this is going to be cut and edited and done, mm. done this way, and that you, generally your director is not going to punch you in the nuts yeah, right. and leave things like this in and undermine yeah. his own film, right. the actor will say out loud the things that he is now as a character is reacting to mm. to give him that... That it's it's a sense memory thing. It's yeah. something where you're trying to dredge yeah. that up and get the reaction on screen, mm. but it's something that is not supposed to be in the fucking movie. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's yeah. something an actor is doing mm. to improve their reactions and to make it mm. to make it more or better. Mm-hmm. And occasionally you get <laughs> submarined. Yeah. And the movie is so <laughs> shitty they come to a point yeah. where they realize, fuck it, leave it in. It's insane. <laughs> That's what I see here. I, 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 I think, yeah. yeah. I, th- I, can, I think, think that's, you're right. that's my I can theory. Yeah. I, I don't have anything to back it up. No one has ever come forward and mm. said that that's what that is. Certainly, mm. I don't, I've never read anything from, uh, from Linda mm. Day George where she is commenting mm. that you know, that's what was going on in that scene. But it just seems kind of obvious. The more movies you see and the more, uh, the more you know about how actors shoot things on screen, <clears throat> that just seems likely to mm. me. So... There's that. Okay, those are the really crazy things. Do you have anything else before we get to the, the to the announcement? I, I don't think so. I think we can kind of move now to where we start to we find out who our killer is, and we're starting to move. I guess the last third. I think we can go on. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Remember, folks, we are going to spoil this now. Yeah, yeah, we are. We're going to go ahead and and uh, so so now would be time to stop listening if you don't want to know what happens. But we are going to go ahead and and be detailed in our before. Before we get to the to the reveal of the killer, I do want to point out that there is uh, the, the 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 murder that Linda Day George is reacting to. Yeah, is another one of those moments in the movie that really stops you dead. Yeah, yeah, it does. And that's when the that's when the uh, the topless woman in the in the mm-hmm. uh, the, the uh, in that locker room locker room shower yeah. is cut in half by the mm-hmm. chainsaw. Mm-hmm. Now they achieved this uh, they achieved this effect by getting a dead pig mm-hmm. and actually just running a chainsaw through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> right yeah. there on screen. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have to tell you, that is an electrifying thing to see on the big mm-hmm. screen in 1983. Yeah, and it's, it's still, it still, yeah, still fucks right. with you these yeah. days. Even when I know what it actually was, it was, mm-hmm. just, it was just a dead pig. Yeah. It still, to this day, messes with me. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things that um, you're on a low budget. You got to get inventive. You got to get creative. Mm-hmm. We're going to show mm-hmm. chainsaw cutting through meat. And mm-hmm. we're going to put it right there on camera. It's an it's a really shocking sequence, and they sell it very effectively. Mm-hmm. It's it's the we we are we, gonna we, we criticize this film a lot. We're we're riding yeah. it down. We're talking about yeah. how it really is it really is quite an inept film in many ways. Yeah. But the editing in these in these mm-hmm. kill these kill sequences mm-hmm. these murder set pieces are pretty amazing mm-hmm. because there's no laughing at the violence. No, no, no. there's never any laughing. You're laughing at the after effects. You're laughing yeah, at right. what Just, they're trying to sell yeah. to you yeah. post yeah. violence. Yeah. But those moments, and that's the number one, I think in mm. the film where mm. 
the you know you, the, the next time you see that character they've they've done that great little thing where you, the, the the actress is halfway underneath the floor and the, the torso is just resting there mm-hmm. in the corner yeah. Yeah. it's pretty amazing stuff yeah. and it really sells it effectively I'm, mm-hmm. I I still to this day think it's really great you know pretty yeah. pretty well done practical special effects yeah I so. think so too I think so too I'd love to talk to uh, I'd love to talk to the K and B guys, Greg Nicotero, and everybody. And just say, hey, man, what do you think about some of the stuff in pieces? Yeah. I mean, yeah, some of it's ludicrous, but yeah. hey, man, that's yeah. pretty inventive shit, right? Yeah. I'd lo- yeah. I, maybe yeah. maybe uh, maybe we get to talk to Nicotero again next year. Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, ask him about it because yeah, I would like about to see it. Yeah. Because surely he's aware of the film. I would hope so. I would anyway. think. I hope so too. I would think so. I would. Yeah, <laughs> I would think so. Surely, yeah. So uh, let's talk about the ending of the film, mm. which is. Uh, which is its own ball of crazy. Yeah. yeah. Once again, nobody's making any progress whatsoever in this investigation. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, oh, my Lord. So Mary is just going to, uh, uh, wants to, um, but Mary's kind of got her suspicions about Professor Brown. She thinks that. She oh, thinks that she uh, thinks homosexual some, mother yeah, boy homosex- is. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and, you know, she's seen Jack Taylor in enough other movies too. You know, she knows he's <laughs> not always to be trusted. So she's going to go talk to the Dean uh, about yep. Professor Brown. And, uh, she goes to she goes to the dean's house, mm-hmm. and the dean sits her down and the, makes some tea, and they're talking. Mm-hmm. And um, remember that phrase I said I wasn't going to repeat again that you could insert randomly throughout the rest of this podcast, just in your head. Do it again. Yes. We should yeah, we have should seen. Have. We should have seen. We yes. should have seen enough of the interior of mm-hmm. both Professor Brown's home. Yeah. And the dean's home mm-hmm. for us to be fooled into mm-hmm. thinking mm-hmm. that one is where the killer resides and one is not where the killer right. resides. Right. So that when we're in the dean's house, we start to look, we, we start as to, audiences yeah. start to look around and go, hey, wait a minute, uh-huh. I think we may have seen some of this before. But no, yeah. this ain't that kind of movie. Nope, nope. So, no one is any the wiser, mm-hmm. including the audience. Mm-hmm. When it turns out that the killer is... The Dean. Yes. Edmund Purdom, the Dean. And if you had guessed that he was the killer, it was only just surely a lucky guess because the film has given you nothing (laughs) Nothing. about this guy, nothing visually, no clues, nuts whatsoever to have indicated that he was the killer. There's no suspicion cast on him unless... You think that him continuing to to, to convince insist on being discreet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if he used the word discreet one more time with the cops, I think the cops were just going to turn to him and go, "We get it. Yeah, you don't want anybody to know. Yeah, uh, somehow we'll keep you know four murders <laughs> quiet." <sighs> yeah. yeah, it's here's the weird thing. Mm-hmm. If I go long enough between viewings of this mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. I think that Jack Taylor's the killer. Yeah, well, like I said, I'd totally forgotten who was an idea. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, you, yeah, I can see that. If you waited like every 10, 15 years to watch it, you'd be like, oh, I think he's the one who turns out to be the killer. I think the last time I watched this mm-hmm. was back when this, this Grindhouse DVD of it first came out in like mm-hmm. 2008, 2009, mm-hmm. right in mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And so I watch it now, six, seven years later. Mm-hmm. And I am right up until the reveal going, well, when are they going to get back to, to Jack yeah. Taylor? Because he's, mm. he's the murderer, right? <laughs> no. Because to my mind, mm. in a normal movie, mm. telling us that the character's a homosexual who lives with his mother is a reference to Psycho. Mm-hmm. That mm. is an attempt mm. to cast yeah. him mm-hmm. as Norman Bates. Mm-hmm. So eventually we're going to learn 
No, no, no. Mommy's dead. He mm-hmm. doesn't live with his mother. That's just a rumor. Mm-hmm. And they think he's a homosexual because he doesn't date anybody. Yeah. And he stays away from women. Mm-hmm. And that would be the big red hair. That'd be the big yeah. the big red flag of mm-hmm. he didn't, didn't get around women because he thinks he's gonna go crazy and strangle and kill them. Well, and it's fine to to drop red herrings among multiple characters. Yeah. If you also drop them about the guy who's actually the killer, the killer which they you know they don't. don't. And maybe they thought like that should have been our clue. Is he's the one you know? He's the one that there you're is, there at. isn't any you know. But but I just think that. That in a way they're in a way they're kind of cheating here. They're not really playing by. I mean, they you know it's like they they need to. If you're setting up a mystery, it's a cheat. Yeah, you know, and, it's, uh, it's definitely a cheat. So yeah, um, but yeah, so we don't know he's the killer till we start seeing him drugging Mary's drink, and then we're like, okay, he's the you know he's, he's definitely the, the killer. Yeah, uh, so because uh, he wants her legs, he wants her gams, which you know, which you know, hey, I I want Linda Day's gams too, but not in not not in that way. Not, uh, not, <laughs> really? Not yeah. I don't want to have. I want them, I want them wrapped around. Me, wrapped, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, but here's the uh, here's the kicker. Okay, so the 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 cops come in. There's a there's all the uh, we won't get into the discussion of the details of of how the cops get there and how well because it's boring as shit. And yes, it's it just is. like I mean let's let's say I mean like we get these sets of we get some product placement with Wendy's, you know? Because uh, isn't that weird? Yes, it really is. Did Wendy's that desperate that they needed? Is that I early? I know. I guess Wendy's. I, I know see, that was kind of. I don't know that that's product placement that was paid for. I think it probably wasn't. It was. Probably I think just... that's product placement trying to convince you this is the states. <laughs> yeah, you're right. There, okay. there you go. There you go. It's like there's yeah, a so, lot of that. Yeah, yeah. So Kendall is pressed into <laughs> service by. The, you know, to help, <laughs> yes. to help uh, uh, Lieutenant Holden uh, look up all this, all this, you know, try and sift through these mountains of paperwork to see if they can find a possible suspect. And even the scene where Holden comes across what's obviously, I guess, the dean's file and realizes that this guy's like been institutionalized and then changed his name to become the dean. It's done so low key and dull. Like there's not even a like. Yeah. He's like, oh, I got her killer, whatever, and he doesn't even get excited <laughs> until Kendall tells him, wait a minute, Mary went to visit the dean, and then he kind of pops into action. But at that point, it's one of the most least dramatic reveals of, you know, of, of, of an investigation. And and so, of course, of course, Kendall's allowed to come along with, with the, the cops. And, and, and it proves himself to be a complete idiot, like in this scene where, I mean, how many times does he stand in the wrong... I mean, it's it's, it's like he keeps... When when he insists on, on accompanying them, and they're like, okay, but... When we tell you to get down, get down, and then he like just gets in the line of fire about like five times there. They're about to break in. They keep having to grab him and bodily force him out. It's Move just him like, out of the way. Yeah. This guy really does just think with his dick. I mean, he has no brain. He is this <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So they 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 come in, sort of foil the because by this point, you know, Mary has been given this drug to the point that she's aware of what's going on. She knows yeah. it, but she's but she's. She's, she's got so much of it she can't ra- actually do anything because her body's not responding yeah. well. Uh, and this leads to something that just cracks me up so much. You know, the, the two cops and Kendall break into the place. You know, the killer's gone into hiding. He's heard them coming, so the right. dean is hiding. And I love the fact that through the whole scene, you know, they find Mary. They tell Kendall to stay with her. Or they're going to go off and find the, the killer. And I love through the whole scene, <laughs> she's so obviously indicating to them with her eyes over Where there. the killer is, and none of them of the three. Paying any attention. <laughs> just cracks me up every time I see it. <laughs> I, yeah, I, yes, you're right. I agree. It's, oh man, um, completely crazy. The okay. So yeah, so take it from there. Go well, there? let's. I just want to jump to. Yeah. Let, let's let's not get off into the weeds on the details yeah, here. Right, I do sure, want. Sure. I want to go ahead and jump to the ridiculous uh, reveal of um, the corpse. Yeah. Yeah. Now. There's, there's a double pump of double stupid. Oh God! Because yes. we, we have the, we know we've got to find the stitched together body. Right. 
that's the whole point of this. Mm-hmm. We've been shown the jigsaw puzzle again and again, and he's collecting mm-hmm. parts, and it's becoming obvious. And it's mm-hmm. it's very obvious that yeah. he's. We, we, I think we've been at one point been shown like the the body. Yeah, he did sort of. He's trying to. He's trying to fit. As if I understand right, if I think I'm reading this right, the reason that he he has a pair of legs and he finds out his mom's shoes that he saved don't from fit when he was a kid yeah. on the feet. Right. And so that's why he has to go after another pair of legs, and then that's why he goes after Mary's legs because I guess he feels like it's like the Cinderella story, you know, a different. He's trying to find a fit the slipper there. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> the Cinderella story. <laughs> oh, see, the, see the letter literary. I'm pres- sorry, president I choked. Seven. I choked on that one. That was not, that was not gonna fly. I'm no, not gonna let. No. I'm not gonna let the fairy tale reference fly by no, without no. without going. Oh, I can't know. <laughs> But nice try, I yeah. like that one. <laughs> but no, 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 you get it, you get a deaf for that one. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Oh my lord, <laughs> that's great. Well, in that case, we have to. I guess, I guess, I guess we have to see uh, Paul Smith as an ogre. Yeah, he's the ogre, and, and yeah, uh, uh, Kindles yeah. the wood, woodsman. I guess. No, uh, well, like, no, we have to see Christopher George as C three PO. Yes, and, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Did I jump? Did I jump genre? Wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Which one's the wandering samurai with the lightsaber? Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so <laughs> they've they've apprehended slash whatever mm. the dean mm. and uh, Kendall and which of the cops is he standing there? He's standing with Frank Brown. He's talking Brown with uh, standing with, there. Uh, with Holden. Yeah. Because <coughs> oh, yeah, man. he's telling him how like he's saying like man, I don't ever. Yeah, he said, what do you think of police work? And Kendall's like, yeah, I know, you know, I don't want to do this. And and you know, Holden's like, yeah, you'll see some strange things in this business, kid. <laughs> Something to that effect. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then the the the, the mm-hmm. kind of slightly hidden door yeah. rotates, and the the stitched together corpse collapses on Falls top. Falls out Kendall. in a shock shock moment. Uh, yes, and of course, the funniest thing to me is if you watch. Uh, the uh, stitched together corpse, which is obviously a made up mm, young yeah. woman. Yeah. Uh, her eyes are wide open and then they close. That's <laughs> <laughs> say I didn't catch that, but it doesn't surprise yeah. me. I was just yeah. too busy laughing about that. Yeah, just the fact that you know this is after, this is this is where the dean is obviously going to leave this you know this project Body that corpse, is just is leave it propped against and no the door one so that, could smell it. Yes. <laughs> oh God, there's something. There's a lot that needs to be addressed about that. Since mm-hmm. a mouse can't die in your house without you yeah, knowing it, yeah. how in the hell? Anyway, uh, the um, now if the corpse. Here's what I think the film. If you're going to have a shot, and here's what I think is, I think Dick Randall again is telling J.P. Simon, you know, the slashers all have to end with a shock ending. Now, you know, yes, so just yes. give us a shock ending. Had that been the shock ending, just where the corpse fell out on Kendall, as stupid as it is, I think would have be like, been. Right, be- right. That would have been. I think that would have been better than. Than what we get, I say better in the sense of making more sense. It's you know what we get is even better because it's it's so, an idiotic it's, nightmare. Oh my god! Scene. Yeah. Okay. D- describe the night. Describe the the tacked on nightmare shock ending, which is essentially it's. Now you're saying nightmare. Well, it's. You mean nightmares in the sense of like it's an assault on common sense. You don't mean right. the fact that it's it's, a, it's, it's ridiculous. It's not it, the only a, way to read it is, oh, is, it, as, it is. A, as a nightmare. Oh, oh, it's it's well, yeah. So Kendall is a, so basically this body's falling out on Kendall. Yeah. And now they've got the body kind of covered up, you know, and, and they're getting ready to go. Kendall, you know, Kendall's standing over the corpse. And the corpse's arm just reaches up out of nowhere and grabs yeah. him by the, uh, the by family the jewels there. And, and he will not be the campus stud any longer, you know, because <laughs> our last scene. And even after all these years knowing it coming, I still just laughed out loud. It's just, you know, it's like when the hand goes up and just basically yanks his balls off. And our last yeah. freeze frame is for Kendall screaming and... I, 
my God, it's, it's, it's just, it, and it really, it's, it strikes me once again, it's a European director thinking, okay, the American slashers always have to have a shock ending, what am I going to do here to, you know, or is it just J.P. Simon saying, you know, is he, is he knowingly just saying, fuck you, this, this, is, this is a total joke, I'm just joking, I'm, I'm totally, does he know how insane this is, how uh, utterly senseless and, and stupid, I mean, by this point, the, the slasher, the, the whole shock ending in slashers had gotten really tiresome by this point anyway. In fact, it became, because it was just every one of them had to have it, you know, the killer's not dead. Yeah. It all started, you know, I mean, it didn't all start, but I mean, really, Halloween was kind of the one that really set the, you know, the, the famous ending of Halloween, which is very, which was very effective when it happened, but then every single yeah. slasher after it, to the point that it came, it came to the point that the most shocking thing was when there wasn't a shock ending in a, in a slasher <laughs> film, you know, yeah. when it, when it did it, when it just ended, like, oh, he's really... You mean the killer's it's really dead? dead? Well, so, so, but here, I just can see Dick Randall. I can just see J.P. Simon or them thinking, okay, we got to have some kind of ending like this. we got to have a shock ending. What are we going to do? But what they choose to do is the most nonsensical, wrong, yeah. stupid thing. And I want to ask you, and I, I thought about sending this to you ahead of time to see if you give you a chance to think about it, but I didn't get around well, to it. So I'm going to gonna see if you're up. just going to think on the fly, but if you can, if you can even answer this on the fly, because I've been thinking about it. Is there a more fucked up ending in the history of movies that you've seen? Can you oh, think God. of it now? And I, I know you and I have seen some really wrong, okay, screwed okay. up endings, but I don't know that I I could not think of anyone that was an ending that was more. I talked to you just a, before we started recording this podcast. I right, talked to you right. about one that I think is stupider. Oh really? Okay. Remember that I was telling you about. I finally saw that movie, The Bees, with John Saxon. Oh yes, yes, and we don't have to get right, right, and and you're right. That that is that, that ending is, a, is dumber. You're right because that's not opinion. even a shock ending. That's just it's, it's just, just stupid. Brain it's just, like, yeah, it's just brain dead. It, the whole concept of it is, is the whole dumb. idea is stupid. Okay, yeah. I can yeah. see that. I can see that. Uh, but as for if you're talking about um, a more nonsensical shock ending, huh? That's a that's a tough call because I've never really thought down that path yeah. before. I mean, there's so many of them that are nonsensical when you've got a killer who's been riddled, shot, blown up. You know, well, I mean, let's... And, let's and, then he come, and then he suddenly, he's alive, you know. Let's be honest. Just, yeah. there, there are lots of them within the horror genre. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I still, to this day, don't get me wrong, I get a kick out of the Friday the, thir- Friday the 13th films. Yeah, me too. But I still think the ending of Friday the 13th is ridiculous. This, mm-hmm. you know, long dead kid... Who's been underwater, apparently, yeah. Apparently for decades mm-hmm. is still a kid and mm-hmm. jumps up out of the water and grabs her. Mm-hmm. Um, no. Yeah, yeah. That has to all be in her head. Yeah. That's the only way that works. And if they did it that way, it could be uh, something along the lines of the, the ending of Carrie, which is the great punch that it delivers yeah. in you know, Carrie. But it's well, that's a good that still one, makes yeah. it Yeah, right, because it makes sense. Within how you realize like what's happening there, it's still right. a great shock the first time people see it. They jump sky high, but it still then makes sense in the story. And the thing with Jason at the end of the first Friday the Thirteenth would have done the same. You're right; it would have done the same thing if you yeah. view it as like, okay, that's how it happens. But there are it the ending of the ending of uh, the ending of Gates of Hell is is uh, it's it's more of, it's more disturbing. Not stu- it's not stupid ending. No, but, but, but and I know is, that there's been an really explanation, weird. and there's been kind of an explanation I think I've heard since then of like how that all came about and what yeah. I think was that. But the first time you see it, that's a really bizarre what the hell kind of ending, you know. Well, it's like I love the ending, the ending of the Beyond. Oh, I do too. I do too. But I wouldn't call it, it's not a, a stupid shock ending at all. It's one of those, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of those slowly dawning realization kind of endings, mm-hmm. which I really, really yeah, like. And that's, yeah, yeah. Um, that's a good question. I have to give that yeah. some thought, and I don't yeah. think I can. I can. Come yeah, well, up I figured with that would be kind of, of yeah. That is that is one we have to give some thought because yeah. 
It's a uh, and throw open to our listeners too. And now, if y'all can, you know, if anyone can yeah. top the ending of pieces, you know, uh, <laughs> as, as quote, quote unquote top top. Yes, yeah. Um, that's a, that's a good question. There are the if we take our zero point of crazy mm-hmm. as pieces mm-hmm. and ladle on to one side, mm-hmm. just kind of ones that kind of don't make any sense yeah. or kind of nonsensical like something yeah. at the end of the the sequence at the end of Friday the 13th yeah yeah there are that that's like different ends of the spectrum kind of starting mm-hmm. in that direction mm-hmm. and it's like are is pieces the furthest one out on that on yeah. that on that mm-hmm. line or mm-hmm. is there something further out that's mm-hmm. a good question I don't know the end sequence of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street the first Nightmare on Elm Street bothers me it's always bothered me because I think that oh, film really? is so freaking well done Oh, see, I, but always... I think that the, I don't like Dakota because not only do I think it is nonsensical, I think it's badly filmed. I think it's even just badly. I think it's clumsily filmed. Okay, that filmed. one image. Yeah, I think the, I know. Yeah, the, the body being pulled yeah. through the the window. Yeah. I agree with you. Uh, yeah, but I like the idea of Dakota because it it's the movie folding in on itself. It's mm-hmm. the you mm-hmm. can't trust that anything. It, whether it's a, anything's a dream, what's right, dream reality? Right. You got the point. And I you like don't know that. What's okay. uh, I like mm-hmm. that aspect of mm-hmm. it, but I agree with your. I, I agree with that particular complaint, but yeah. uh, I do like the coda. Okay. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you're talking about there. Mm-hmm. Um, well, if you want to talk about just stupid shock endings, man, get into the Friday. Get into the. Uh, pardon me. Getting get into the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because uh, that. That is a train wreck of a series of films. Um, I may have talked about this before, and I can't remember. I'll tell you this. The the ending of Freddy's Dead is one of the shittiest fucking movies. I mean, that's a, that's a crappy fucking movie. But the uh, those shock endings were in full force in that in that film series. Yeah. And they almost never were worth a crap. Um, geez, I wish I could remember some spe- some specifics to draw on. I just remember being so incredibly disappointed when I finally, a few years ago, decided, okay, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to watch, you know, four, five, and six, and I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to watch those movies I never have, mm-hmm. and uh, watch them and realize that all these things I've heard from people about how, oh, they're, you know, four is kind of good, and mm-hmm. da, 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 da. Yeah. no, it ain't. Yeah, no, I, I five no. ain't any good either. Yeah. Six is terrible. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, yeah. it's like, no, they're kind of bad, but those. The, the the shock ending thing I'm gonna have to give the the whole mm. a worse shock ending thing yeah. mm. I'm gonna have to give that some thought because there mm. are there are there are a lot of them in horror movies yeah and the worst ones are the ones that contradict the film they were a part of yeah yeah um, yeah I agree with that too. yeah yeah like, like I say the the Nightmare on Elm Street when the original Nightmare on Elm Street that one doesn't contradict the film itself mm. I mean you mm. may not like the fact that it doesn't give you a firm ending yeah. No, I see. I see your. I know. I see but your point. That, that still you, you uh, that still yeah. plays directly into the mm-hmm. themes and the structure of the film mm-hmm. itself. So it doesn't. It doesn't break. Yeah, no, I know what you're. In other words, it doesn't break. It doesn't break the. It doesn't break the movie's. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, pseudo, you know, pseudo realistic mm-hmm. level. It's just part of it. Mm-hmm. But eh, that's a good question. I have to do yeah. some thinking because it, it might be fun to put together a favorite top five or ten. Depending on how many I stumble across, yeah. by our next podcast of uh, yeah. of uh, insanely ridiculous shock endings to horror films. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think I may have to do that. That will be fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And if anybody else out there wants to do the same thing, go ahead. We'll see yeah. how much overlap there is. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. Good idea. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well. Cool. Well. So uh, <coughs> pieces. We have discussed pieces. 
Uh, I love I Pieces. Pieces is a blast. I love it. I know. Now comes the tough part because it's the okay. ratings part. Right. And this is the part, and we've I've had this dilemma with uh, some of the films we've done on Bloody Pit, like Contamination and Nightmare City. Right. And that is, and that's exactly where I was about to go. Yeah. Because you have to have the weighing of quality versus enjoyed. how much you enjoyed it. Yeah. And I enjoyed the hell out of this film. I, well, I always enjoy the hell out of this film. It's yeah. a blast. If I have to be film critic here and rate it on its qualities, it doesn't have many. No. I have to give it a four. Okay. Um, you're right. Some nice punches that are, you know, good, you know, some good gore effects, you know, um, some definitely some disturbing moments. It's just so, if you're going to play, you know, we forgive European films a lot of times, a lot of things plot-wise, oh, yeah. story-wise, but that's because they're so often drenched in atmosphere, setups, sequences, even if a sequence ultimately doesn't, even if it doesn't make logical sense, if it's filmed well and if it really gets you, draws you in and is just stylistically done, you'll forgive it a lot. You know, there's Simon's not an Argento. You know, there's not a lot of sty- <laughs> there's not a lot of style to what he does. No, the, well, he's, he's not a full. Yeah, he's not yeah, a. No, it's just good a, Lord. It's just a. He's not a Demato, and that's just cut no. deep. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he's not a Cutsy. You know, that's a <laughs> true. Yeah, it's just a man. It, it's just a clumsy, clumsy, clumsy story, uh, and, and it's just a not a very good film. Um, so I have to I have to reluctantly give it a four, but it's a four that I. We'll probably watch again, you yes. know, and, and and we'll have a lot of laughs at and have a good time with. I was thoroughly entertained with the film. Um, you were you were slightly nicer to it than me. I end up giving <laughs> it, I end up thinking of it as basically a three. A three it's okay. a terrible okay. movie, yeah. but it's one yeah. that I love. Sure. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of movies in this category. Mm-hmm. Uh, as yeah. I've gotten older, I've Same learned here. I've learned uh, the wisdom of knowing that a movie is bad and still enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and still getting my hackles up mm-hmm. when someone calls something that I think is actually a good movie a bad movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, this is a bad movie. Mm-hmm. This is uh, one that I enjoy thoroughly. Uh, on the enjoyment scale, it's very high. Mm-hmm. And I can, scale, I can see why low. you have a soft spot for it, too, because of it, because of yeah. the way you saw it and how you saw it and, and how it kind of led you to other things. You yeah, know, I so. don't know if uh, I would love it as much as I do. I still think that that the twisted way in which I enjoy these these crazed European horror films mm-hmm. would still lead me down the path yeah, you of enjoying this movie. You yeah. uh, I would still like this movie in mm-hmm. 2015 if I had not you yeah. know, yeah. been traumatized by this film <laughs> in my teenage years. Right. But um, the, it's not a good movie, but I love it. Yeah. And I can't say, I, I can say that about a number of films mm-hmm. that, and that number gets higher with each passing year. Yeah, yeah. I find myself being drawn to Qualities other than quality. Yeah, yeah, that's a good. Within way to put it. Yeah, you're right, certain right. Yeah. certain films, and of course, yeah. it's it's specifically genre films. I, yeah. I, if you present me with a drama that just bores the shit yeah. out of me, I'm yeah, not gonna. That's not right. It's just not. It's not gonna be something I enjoy. Mm. But it's the inept levels mm. of storytelling and uh, creativity and the sheer mad energy of it just mm. overwhelms all the flaws. The the the. Dead seriousness and the, the, mm. that almost, I have to think, accidental juxtaposition of something completely ludicrous with something breathtakingly shocking mm. really, really works for me. There's something about it that um, that brings me back to it. I, yeah. you know, I've probably watched this film seven, eight, nine, ten times in my mm. life, and I know mm. I will end up watching it several more times. Mm. Uh, you and I were both lamenting the fact that they haven't released it on Blu-ray yet. I know. I wish that Blu-ray had come out in time for us to do a show. Although I do have to wonder how much, because of the palette, because of the, that particular 
washed out kind of look of this film that was film yeah. stock it was filmed on. I wonder how much Blu-ray is really going to can it, how much it can do with that kind know. of, but, but I'll definitely, I'm like, <coughs> I'll be wanting to check it out. I'll be wanting to see, oh, see it. Uh, before we wrap this, uh, before yeah. we wrap up our discussion of this, I've got a few things. These are, these yeah, are, yeah. um, straight from the mouth, the mouth of the director himself. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to, um, mm-hmm. say this. He was being asked, um, about this movie in particular. And he says, uh, <clears throat> because the movie he made right before this had been uh, a kid's film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kind of a family feature, mm-hmm. and he said making uh, making this kind of film was a challenge for me. Mm-hmm. It was the first time I made a horror movie uh, like that with sex and violence, and I tried to make something else than just tits and blood. Mm-hmm. In real life, a lie usually takes you to another lie, and a crime usually leads to another crime. So the cure is worse than the illness. I wanted to show that because the mental aberration of criminals is not a teenager's game, as it happens nowadays in most of the American movies. My intention was to be naturalistic, and I only made a little surrealistic touch at the end. But with the most grotesque dark humor, like mm-hmm. Goya's dark paintings. Now, that's okay. fine for him to look at it that mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. Um, to, 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 <laughs> the, he was asked about the censorship of the film. It, mm-hmm. it was not censored in Spain. Of course, by the 80s, there wasn't really that kind of restriction put on mm-hmm. it. But <clears throat> strangely enough, the restrictions that came in were done during the shooting and they were from the perspective of the American producers. Mm. The dead woman at the end was originally filmed completely naked, but the American co-producers wanted to change it with the woman half naked, so he did it. And that's, what, that's what's used in every version of the film. Now, I'd just like to sum up mm-hmm. by telling you that demonstrates just perfectly to me mm-hmm. the making of this film and the wrong mindset, <laughs> which is... Okay, so she can't be completely nude, which is the only thing that makes any sense, considering this is a corpse that's been stitched together by a madman. Right. To mirror mm-hmm. a completely Complete, mad yeah. jigsaw puzzle. Right, right. But you want me to put panties on her, essentially. Yeah, okay, yeah. I'll fuck it. Yeah. I'll put panties on her. That's so wrongheaded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. it's the kind of thing where you should go. Well, let me just shoot it in a certain way or whatever. Mm. But it, 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 it doesn't matter because <clears throat> that's what the producers wanted. Yeah. yeah. You talked, as we discussed the film, yeah. about this is probably in here because Dick Randall was around and said, mm-hmm. I don't care how you do it, but yeah, have someone murder in a waterbed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Have someone murder in a waterbed. <clears throat> have, a kung, have my Kung Fu star I'm trying to groom here. I want him to be I want him in the film. Yeah. Uh, it's not even a knock against the film. It's something mm-hmm. that at the time I would have considered a knock, but now I see it as quaint. Yeah. This is, as you stated up front, mm-hmm. a Spanish filmmaker mm-hmm. attempting to make an American slasher film and trying to go by the rules that they're kind of laying out for him as he makes it. These are the yeah. Americans mm-hmm. saying, no, 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 mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. This, this, we have to have this, we have to have that, we have right, to have right. those. Right. So under all these restrictions and trying to mimic something that He's never made before, as he just said. Yeah. He's never made a horror film before, That's ever. Right. Yeah. Is it? Is there any? Is there any surprise? It's as inept as it is. Yeah. Yeah. And is it any? Is there any surprise that the things that really shock us are the things where he's like, "Well, we'll just go overboard. We'll just take mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. as far as, as far I mean, as we'll we just go. really, yeah, really, right, really push right. it." Yeah. In other words. Mm-hmm. The ineptitude is not just in the silly stuff that we laughed at. The ineptitude is also in the things that really shock and surprise us that are really the, the gory set pieces because mm-hmm. they both we got both of those from that same level of ineptness, which yeah, is, yeah. I don't really know what I'm doing. Right, yeah. So I'm just going to 
push it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to push mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And that pushing is what has given us the the work of mad art <laughs> yeah. that is pieces. Right. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's crazy. It's it's lud- it's ludicrous. There's a part of me that okay, you know, over on the bloody pit, you talked about, you mentioned uh, the contamination episode mm-hmm. and uh, Nightmare, City. Nightmare City. Yeah. This is very much in line with those films. Yeah. They're not good movies. Mm-hmm. They're highly enjoyable. Yes. It's impossible yes. to imagine them being made. Mm-hmm. Anywhere else, yeah. at any other time, yeah. they are such a piece of oh. a certain a certain type of oh, filmmaking, gosh, yeah. Yeah. rip off cinema of mm-hmm. some of one sort mm-hmm. or another. I love this film and those movies more than I could ever love an American made slasher film, simply because it is so weird. Mm-hmm. It's the weirdness factor that draws me back to it, and that that may be a failing mm-hmm. on my part as a film nut. Mm. That the weirder it is, the more attracted to it I am, yeah. mm. and that and that's I mean mm. that can probably be said about a lot of the media that I that I enjoy, <laughs> yes, yeah, music, here. music, books, right. everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But if you don't get the appeal of this film, I would understand it. Oh yeah, of course. I yeah. God yeah. hell yes. Yeah. The, if you turned your nose up at it, walked mm. walked out after it was over and went, yeah. my God, that's the worst piece of shit I've ever seen. Yeah. I could agree uh, that it just might yeah, be. It just might be, yeah. Okay, it now, yeah, might right, be right, the right. worst film you have ever seen. Yeah, yeah. I can imagine that's true, mm. and I'm going to watch it again tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. There are things that are just indefensible, but, you know, yeah, you just, it, it, if you, you, jump, you, you, jump, it, you... You jump to my point. Yeah, right. This movie, mm-hmm. Contamination, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Nightmare City, they're indefensible. Yeah. There's no way to mm-hmm. sit and claim yeah. that my mother should mm-hmm. watch this yeah, movie. Yeah, right, yeah. Okay. There's no way to sit and claim that your father should watch this movie. Mm. No, they no. should not. No. They should no. never see this. Yeah. Ever, ever, ever. They don't have the sensibilities to yeah. enjoy this. <laughs> Few people do. <coughs> and I'm probably talking to several hundred of them as hey, we record this. Yeah, who, who know where we're coming from. Right. Yeah, yeah. You, mm. the thousandth person to download this. Yeah. You mm-hmm. enjoy this film and therefore you're just as sick and wrong as we are. <laughs> Well, we've now Let's covered say it. We're all bastards, bastards, bastards. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Oh, that's that's the perfect capper. You're right. It is right. Yeah. We're bastards, 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 bastards. Worse. I'll even I'll, yeah. <laughs> I'll I'll quote Christopher Guest from Waiting for Guffman. Uh-huh. You're bastard people. Yeah. <laughs> bastard people. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, folks. Uh, that is our discussion of pieces. If you have anything to say about this, remember you can write mm-hmm. to us at nashicast at gmail.com. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll come back. And although we have very little in the mailbag, we will uh, we will talk to you about a little bit of the feedback we've gotten and then we will tell you what we're going to be doing next. Is this job dangerous? Very. Good. Then I'll do it. I am bored to tears with this place. Figures. Put an active lady in an office like this, shuffling papers for six months, and she'll volunteer to uh, do anything. Almost anything. Jennings is finished with me. That wasn't so bad, was it? Hey, aren't you Mary Riggs? Mary? Kendall James. I'm real pleased to meet you. I try to catch all your games. What's a tennis champion doing in this place? This place is my living. What? You mean you work here? I sure do. There's a lady I was telling you about. Mary's going to work undercover at the university. Meet your new tennis coach. Oh, boy, that's great. 
Look, I really appreciate you letting me help and trusting me. Catch you on campus. Look, kid, all you have to do is keep your eyes open. Watch out for Mary in case she needs any, uh, needs any help. Sure. Sure thing. Okay, everyone. Like I said, we don't have much mail this time around. We do have one voicemail from... Uh, uh, if you have not been listening to the Godzilla podcast over on the Bloody Pit, uh, this will come in as... A, you know, it's like watching the sequel before mm-hmm. watching the original. That's right. But uh, this is someone who contacted us about uh, the Godzilla podcasts over on the Bloody Pit and uh, wrote into us. And, uh, well, I'll just... I'll, his name's Joe. I'll let him introduce himself and uh, tell you what he has to say. Gentlemen, Joe Iden here. Just wanted to comment on the last podcast, the Godzilla Final Wars. Uh, as always, great job. Made a really a lot of good points, uh, pro and con, for uh, that that film. I got to tell you, though, I have a soft spot in my heart for that one, man. That was one of the ones I remember really anticipating getting and trying to track it down and, you know, reading all about it as much as I could and seeing the... the going on the internet and trying to find out about it as much as I could, uh, you know, and then finally tracking down a, 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 I believe I got a copy off of eBay, and I think it was pretty much a, uh, an all-Japanese language with uh, English subtitles, I think. It's been a while since I looked at that one, but I remember one of the reasons that I've got a soft spot for that movie is when the American, uh, the English dub finally came out, it was one of the first... Godzilla movies anyway, of the Toho movies, that my son and I actually sat down and watched the whole thing from beginning to end. And, you know, we were making fun of it here and there, but, I mean, he, he really liked it, too. I love the Godzilla design in this in this one. I really do. I think he, I, you know, and I think that's one of the reasons, though, my son and I sat and watched that whole thing together, but, uh, you know, and you're right, man, it is a lot like Destroy All Monsters. I never never really thought of that. You know, some of the stuff in it is questionable. I like Don Fry in it. I love seeing the um, Katango again. Uh, you know, that was pretty neat. Uh, you know, all the a lot of the human drama was pretty good in it. But I remember when the first time my wife had seen it. You know, this was probably a few years later after it had come out. Again, the English the English dub. When we were about the mutants were in it. You know, boy, she immediately she hit hit it. Right, hit the nail right on the head. She goes, "Oh God, they're ripping off Power Rangers," and that never hit me. That never hit me. But you know what? That's a pretty, that's pretty good to 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 zero in on that. I had never thought of that. I got to give her credit on that one. But and ever since then, I always associate the mutants kind of with the Power Rangers. I guess I don't know. But uh, uh, again, you guys did a great job on the Final Wars podcast. I really liked it. I want to thank you for all the kind words and advice on uh, podcasting. My first episode is up on iTunes. Uh, a little rough. I find myself maybe rushing just a little bit. I got to kind of back it back it off a little bit. But uh, if you go to if you're at all interested, it is Fandom Radio Podcast. F A N D O M Radio Podcast. And you know what? I got right into my favorite Toho movie. The subject is King Kong Escapes. Uh, if you have time, if you, it's a quick listen. It's um, probably 30 minutes. But, uh, you know, thank you for all the kind words. I'm really looking forward to getting into this podcasting community and uh, probably going to try to get about two shows up a month 
maybe more if I'm willing to break down and pay for more uh, bandwidth. I don't know if I am or not, though. But I'm trying to get out about two shows a month. But again, it's up there. It's uh, Fandom, F-A-N-D-O-M, Radio Podcast. And uh, the first episode went live Wednesday night. Well, got, it was posted on iTunes Wednesday night. I'd be really interested in knowing what you guys thought of it. Again, thanks for the podcast, thanks for the shows, and thanks for all the kind words. Keep up the great work. And uh, you have a big fan here in northeastern Pennsylvania. (laughs) Okay? All right. Take care, guys. Bye. Okay, so now he has ruined Godzilla Final Wars for me by forever linking it to the Power Rangers. Uh, Thank you, Joe. Yes. Uh, You know, it's interesting, though. I'm I'm continually reminded, especially in, like, reading uh, G-Fan, which is the the magazine, kind of the primary fan magazine about Godzilla films, Um, you know, how much, for people of a certain age, how much Power Rangers meant to them and how much they do oh, yeah. because it came along a little after our you know time of like watching a lot of tv and afternoon television and kids yeah. television all that stuff and i was aware of course of power rangers because it was such a huge phenomenon oh, oh, but i rarely i hardly watched no I, it, but yeah. i hardly watched any of it at all but it's interesting for the, but I never watched for the any people of it. who but but they but i'm always seeing people talk about how much when they when it was part of their like after school viewing or after school, you know, how much they just loved Power Rangers, you know, and or just how much they saw of it and how they're familiar with, with you know, so much of it. And I just, you know, it's, it's, it's a. There seems know. to have been a, a large contingent of, uh, of people of a certain age who had their first uh, sexual awakening when. when oh, but the girl, the, 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 the female, the crush pink, on, the, pink, yes. yeah, the, the first crush oh, was definitely. I'm yeah. often seeing in G Fan people talking about how their first crush was the uh, pink Power Ranger, yeah, you know, yeah. was the. <laughs> but, uh, that's that's kind of terrifying, but yeah. probably a more accurate uh, mm-hmm. a more accurate assessment of what they were going for in that film, mm-hmm. which is kind of horrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's very cool that you watch that you watch Final Wars yes. with your with your son. That's as we were talking about yes. in the podcast. That would be a good one yeah. to introduce. I was saying, even as I was now. saying my disappointments with the film, I said I could totally see this as a good one to to introduce your kid to. You know, I could really see it that in a way. So definitely um, true. Yeah. Uh, also. Um, I do want to point people toward his podcast. Yes, I want He's to hear got this. Uh, he has at this point got three episodes up. Uh, I have listened <coughs> to the first one. The I've listened to the first one only so far, which is uh, about thirty six minutes long. It focuses on uh, King, King Kong Escapes, mm-hmm. which is a movie I sadly haven't yeah, really have watched yet. <coughs> Excuse me. Which is, I mean, mm-hmm. I hate to say it, but <laughs> it's true. It's true of a number of films I haven't mm-hmm. haven't watched it yet. But uh, his uh, his. Uh, initial podcast on that is quite well worth listening to and i do recommend it the name of the podcast again is fandom oh god i just lost it it's spelled f-a-n-d-o-n fandom Mm -hmm. fandom radio podcast correct fandom radio podcast like i said at this point he's got three up he may have more up um by the time I'm releasing this episode I'm not sure I definitely plan to go in and listen to it I'm I'm, uh, uh, my gosh there's so many great podcasts that I can't wait to hear out there and this is one of them that I definitely want to check out it's just finding that you know at some point I promise you Joe I will check out your podcast because it sounds fascinating well it's right there on iTunes folks so you don't Mm -hmm. have to go hunting Mm -hmm. in any weird way just uh, plug it right in and go to town while we're on the subject of iTunes, let me once again recommend that people go and rate and review or just rate uh, our podcast over in the iTunes store. Anything like that gets us more attention, gets us more viewers, gets us more listeners, 
viewers. Get some more views. How's mm-hmm. that? There you go. Then I don't sound like quite the dumbass <laughs> who doesn't realize this isn't a visual mm-hmm. medium. So mm-hmm. there we go. Um, that is the extent of our mailbag this time around. Mm-hmm. Yes, I do. Thank you, Joe, for uh, not leaving us. Or not you know not not making us just that because there's nothing sadder than a. Empty mailbag. So, yeah. well, there, there's a lot of things Saturday. <laughs> Getting your balls ripped off by a corpse that should not be moving is is is. Uh, I would I, think, ca- I would count that as pretty bad. I think between us, I think we're in a better shape than Kindle is at this point. Uh, one other thing I want to bring up, and I actually meant to bring it up at the beginning of the podcast, was mm-hmm. our last Nashi cast number fifty three focused on uh, the film Rottweiler, and uh, Rottweiler was adapted from a novel. Uh, a Spanish language novel that apparently has not been translated into into English mm. at all, which is kind of frustrating because I'd like yeah. to I'd like to read it. The novel is by Alberto Vasquez uh, Figueroa, and uh, the thing that I learned after we did our podcast on Rottweiler was that that novel had been filmed once before. Mm. Oh wow! Okay. Uh, someone wrote into me, and I hate to say this, but I cannot remember who gave me this information. Yeah. I think it may have been on Facebook. Uh, if I am forgetting your email which is very possible, uh, and am not uh, giving you credit for uh, educatomifying me about this, <laughs> I apologize. But uh, the novel that Rottweiler was, was based on was actually filmed once before in 1979 under the title El Perro, which is Spanish for the dog, with uh, Jason Miller uh, in the lead role. And uh, star also Eduardo Calvo was in it. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Cool, cool. Uh, and uh, what's wild is um, I'm very interested in seeing this mainly because, um, one, I don't know, like I say, I don't know when I'll be able to read the novel because I don't know of an yeah, English right. translation. Right. And I, I'm always interested in watching another adaptation yeah. of, a, of, a, of, a, of a novel or I short agree. story. I agree. I'd really like to that. compare it to Rottweiler and right. see what the take that they, they, they how they approach the, the source material. Now, you know, it's very, it's very hard to go by these kind of things because it is IMDb. But I will say that El Perro has a 6.2 rating hmm. on IMDb. That's pretty good. Which with with which is I think with 123 people rating it. Okay. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's not bad. That seems to say that the film might actually mm-hmm. be worth seeing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, um, you know, if nothing else, uh, Jason Miller uh, apparently yeah. Antonio Mayans has a role in wow. it. Wow. Wow. Uh, so, um, I'm worth, I'm, I think I, I, I desperately, as soon as I found out that this existed, I was really shocked. And then mm-hmm. I was utterly stunned to look up the film and to realize that I already owned a copy. <laughs> Just did one of the DVDs you probably had for years and hadn't got around to actually watching yet. Correct. There was a box set that came out a few years ago called Tales of Voodoo. It was a box set and there's five volumes of it. And I think you could buy the DVDs individually. Mm-hmm. Right, but they're awesome because they they their covers parody the old Erie Publications covers. Well, I think know? they're direct rips. Of and the actually, where they actually lifted, you're right. Actually, lifted covers from the Erie Publications, and so so just visually, whether you ever watch them or not, you just it's like, oh, this is so cool that they you know use that as their art. Yep. Well, the uh, the fact is, on volume five of this DVD release called Tales Tales of Voodoo. Which makes no sense. I was going to say, I suspect a lot of those films are using the voodoo term probably very loosely. <laughs> yes, <guess>. exactly. <laughs> uh, what what you find is that on Volume 5, it's a double feature disc. Uh, w- one of the films is called Scorpion Thunderbolt, and the other is called A Dog Called Vengeance, which is a retitling of El Perro. So I have, sitting in my collection... This film, that's an, another adaptation of the novel that was adapted into mm. Rottweiler, and I didn't even know it. Mm. 
So, <laughs> and actually, Vengeance is a great name for a dog. If I ever have a dog again, especially if it was like <laughs> a little like 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 a Schnauzer or something, or like a little Chihuahua or something, you know, naming <laughs> Vengeance I think would be a great name for a dog. <laughs> Get a wiener dog. A wiener dog a named wiener Vengeance. Dog. <laughs> Get them Vengeance. Attack them. Take those. Take those ankles right out. So, um, if you are the least bit curious. If you uh, have seen Rottweiler and went, ooh, that was an interesting idea they flubbed. Mm. Hey, there mm. was an earlier mm. attempt in 1979. Mm. I would very much like to see that. I intend to watch it. Mm. I don't know if I will get to it anytime soon, but I mm. I want to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. Oh, my I can God, say that about, I do. I can say that about 600 v- DVDs. Uh, <laughs> That's a sad thing. I think we all can. Yeah. Yeah. So, um that I wanted, to, I wanted to get that out there yeah. that uh, I did not do enough research to know that that novel had been adapted before. I really wish I had known because then I would have probably sought the film out yeah. and been able to do a compare and contrast when we yeah. covered Rottweiler. Yeah. So there's that. If I see the movie before we do our next podcast, I will. Yes, let, let us know, you know how it is. Let us know how it is. Yeah, this is this is what is this going to turn into the thing where I report back? Green report Inferno, back, yeah. thumbs down. <laughs> so, this is, this is what it's going to turn into, I guess. So uh, I guess we should tell everybody what we're covering next time out. Next month, uh, we will be back mm-hmm. f- uh, in full force Nashy casterizing. Nashy cast. No Beyond Nashy. This is going to be a regular Nashy podcast. Which means it has our man Paul in the film. We've been told anyway. <laughs> uh, yes. It's no. not one we've seen. So You, know. you might want might to not speak too hastily yeah. about yeah. that possibility because <laughs> right. we don't know for sure. Um for this film, we venture back into the 70s, 1977, in fact, for a, a movie that is simply listed as a drama. Interesting. Let's see what we come up with here. There is no description of this movie on IMDb, so we're walking into this one yeah. completely blind. Yeah. 1977, the name of the movie is Mortal Sin. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, uh, like I say, just, a, just supposedly a drama. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we've ever seen anything by the director, um, uh, Miguel Angel Diaz. Mm. And to be honest, I'm scrolling through the names of other actors in the movie, and just right, just first glance, I don't recognize any of them. So we have no idea what we've gotten our hands on yeah, with this we film. Don't. We don't. It's a total mystery. So once again, we're walking in. Uh, we're walking in blind mm-hmm. to uh, uh, a Paul Nashy film called Mortal Sin from 1977. Uh, he's not. Uh, he's not a writer on it. He didn't direct it. He's just an actor. So we have no. We have no idea, idea. folks. So, uh, but you will know what we discover in a month. <laughs> in a month, and between now and then, maybe I'll watch a dog called Vengeance and tell you what I think. <laughs> right. Who knows? I'm trying mm-hmm. to watch movies. Jeez, mm-hmm. get off my back, folks. Jeez, what are you, my dad? <laughs> no, you're not. So um, I know your dad was always on you. You're not watching enough movies, son. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, you must watch. Yeah, <laughs> get, get get stop being yeah. outside in the sun. Stop so being outside. Much. Stop stop doing chores around the house. Stop, Put the football know, down. Yeah, <laughs> I've had enough of this crap. No, yeah. we don't know. Get get inside here and get mm. in front of that. If you don't at least watch one movie before you go to bed tonight, I am going to force you back outside. <laughs> get that. That's all there is to it. So what we have is uh, next month, Nashy Cast number fifty four yeah. will be Mortal Sin. Uh, yeah, yet another in our long line of mystery Nashy films. Yeah, and then yeah. the month after that, let's go ahead and talk about. Yeah, that. our holiday. What's our holiday treat for? Uh... <laughs> I think we've already talked about this a little bit. Yeah, well, yeah, we're just starting a new series with the Bloody Pit. It's going to be a holiday. Uh, holiday. We hope to become a holiday tradition. That, uh... Uh, a holiday themed film in December. Mm-hmm. This time around, 
we're going to kind of start off on the wrong foot and not do a Christmas film. No. We're going to do a New Year's film. And you might say to yourself, well, wait just a minute. Mm -hmm. How many New Year's films can there be? Oh, there are a number. Mm -hmm. There are quite a few. But only one that we're willing to cover. Yeah. (laughs) And that would be... New Year's Evil. Exactly. So we... Rock and roll killers. <laughs> is it, But uh, is it rock and roll? It's sort of a mishmash of a lot of different... Yeah, the music soundtrack's going to be something in itself <laughs> we will be talking about quite extensively. So, yeah. It's a... Yeah, well, well when we're going to have our buddy... This will not be just... Right now, we're going to be bringing our buddy John Hudson yes. into it. John Hudson has done several... Uh, HUD, as we call him, has done several uh, podcasts with just Rod, but this will be the first time that... The three of us uh, will be together on uh, on this, and all three of us be doing a, a podcast, a bloody pit together. So this should be fun. Yes. Be uh, so December, New Year's Evil, November, Mortal Sin with a Nashi cast. So uh, the bloody we, you won't have a Nashi or Beyond Nashi in December, and uh, but you will get a new bloody pit. So uh, we're jumping back and forth as usual. I hope everybody is enjoying the show. Remember. Uh, to rate and review us. Remember, if you want, you can always donate money. We take money. There's yeah, a donate yeah. button on the side of the sure Bloody is. Pit of Ryan sure blog. There's a uh, there's a donate mm-hmm. button also on the side of the Nashi Cast mm-hmm. uh, blog page. Mm-hmm. You can send us money. We like that. Mm-hmm. There's not there's listen listen. We would not think less of you mm-hmm. if you sent us money. No. And Indeed, if you send us enough money. Mm-hmm. We'll actually think more of you. Yeah, in fact, yeah. What was the uh, to quote Monty Python? There is nothing quite so wonderful as money. There's nothing quite so beautiful as cash. Can you remember that skit there? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Oh my God! The money show. The money show. Yeah. Ah oh, <laughs> yes. I, I, now, of course, I'm just thinking about the whole the whole game show where they uh, they got uh, they, they they got film footage of someone that's going to be someone that's going to be very embarrassing. Yeah. And uh, oh, they, they just keep, they just yeah, keep, the show, they just keep black, showing it. Yeah. Yeah. Blackmail. They're like yeah. Until they call in. And, and, and give them the money. No, no, no. We don't morally censure. We just want the money. We just want the money. <laughs> so if you please, you can write to us at nashicast at gmail.com to give us your thoughts on uh, pieces or any other film that we may have covered or are just thinking of covering or may have even only glancingly spoken of. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Write to us. Let us know your thoughts. We'll be glad to hear from you. We enjoyed it as always, folks. So we will see you next month. I am Rod Barnett. I'm Troy Gwynn. Be good, folks. 